Uh, you know what? I think uh, I've just had one of those periods where the last few months is it just got catching to up to you? Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm on some new shit. You on some new shit? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. You went out in the woods. Got uh, some folklore. If only. <laughs> if only. I'm sure we can talk about that on the pod. Was this not the pod? Well, it's the start of the pod, but you know we okay. haven't got to the what we're what we're listening to yet. Okay, okay. We're just vamping for mm-hmm. a hook, some kind of content, some kind of content. Yeah, we're just pimping out our own lies for entertainment. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's not very interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I um, I don't know what I. Couple of periods this week, I was just like, <laughs> I don't feel great. This is terrible. I hate this. <laughs> like in a physical way or in like a like a mental way. Oh, uh, geez, more mental way. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I don't like emotions. Whenever I feel them, they're never the good ones. You, just, you know, you gotta be like me. You turn off your emotion chip. <sighs> I think I got one of those uh, those chips that doesn't let me fight other human beings or mm. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It only lets me go after my own kind. All right. Well, shall we start the pod? Yeah, might as well. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. And we're back for another episode of Headcanon. Episode 79 of our quote-unquote second season. Uh, I don't know. I guess we should like do a third season eventually. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, not now. We're like in the middle of Buffy stuff, but yeah, yeah. We, we hopefully get renewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week on the pod, we're talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer season five. Uh, some episodes in the front half of the season, particularly S five E five. There's no place or no place like home. S five E seven, Fool for Love, and S five E twelve Checkpoint. Weirdly, so not, all Douglas Petrie episodes. Yeah, but with a smidge of Jane Espen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That if you've watched, uh, there's no place like Plur's Glurb. <laughs> you went too far in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we jump into Buffy, what are you watching? Well, Buffy. Um, God, what else have I watched? Old Mystery Science Theater, three thousand episodes. Perry Mason. Wow behind on Uh, enjoying perry mason is that even a possibility was that was this show designed for me to like enjoy it i don't hate it the way he became a lawyer was like wow okay sure (laughs) it's like oh you can pick up the pace somewhere huh yeah really (laughs) in the previews five episodes to get to that yeah well it's just like I don't know. I think a lot of people didn't really, it didn't bother them. But for me, just the having the guy just like walk in and be like, what's up? I'm Hamilton Burger. Wink. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, why don't you just have him walk in and be like, hi, Bruce. I'm, I'm the Joker. See, I didn't know who that was. So I was just like, whatever. <laughs> Hamilton sure. Burger is like the DA that he always goes against in the hmm. show. Okay. Yeah. Which I saw that it got renewed and. I just don't think that this show wants to do, I don't know, I'm guessing, I don't think it wants to do, like, courtroom stuff. It definitely is so far seen more interested in, like, the private eye type stuff, so yeah. well, like, we'll see. Are you going to let Chris Chalk go be the private detective? I don't know. Yeah. 
But I mean, it seems like he's headed for quitting his job, maybe. So yeah. maybe they hire him. Um, I don't know what else you're watching. Uh, nothing else that I can think of. Like random YouTube clips, just when I'm sitting there trying to live with myself. Um, and waiting for the American discourse to catch up. If I may destroy you. Other than that, not much. You? Uh, Perry Mason, All the Gone in the Dark. Uh, they they finally dropped the hammer on uh, Michelle McNamara's tragic passing away right at the end of the episode. You're just like waiting for it to happen. They're like really teasing it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're juggling those chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brave New World. I watched all but the finale, so maybe I'll do that, that after we talk. It's uh, it's fun. You know, I I think there's a couple things I like about it. Number one. It's only most of the episodes are not longer than like 42 or 43 minutes, which is nice. It's like, oh, hey, remember TV shows? Um, are the commercials on Peacock? Is it Peacock? Uh, it's it is Peacock. They're it's it's a premium tier show, so ordinarily not. I, I think it just goes, yeah. Um, I don't know. I download it, but uh, I don't know. It's enjoyable. I mean, it's I've seen a lot of the criticism is like, oh, but we've done so many like dystopian reality stuff, like since Brave New World came out, and it's like. Yeah, but this is like less like should I join the Mountain Dew squad or like the lawyer squad? It's it's more, I don't know, I feel like interrogating, even if not in the most like deep way possible, interrogating to some of the, the ideas more than kind of being like a power fantasy. So okay. it's nice in that way. Hmm. hmm. What is a tour is so easy? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I always like that books begin with. That was probably like one of the first kind of like serious like adult books I read when I was a teenager. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's fun. I'm curious. I mean, they've definitely kind of expanded and done some world building to uh, I don't know branch out from the the basic plot of the novel. But I'm curious to see how it wraps up. Okay. I don't want to give anything away, but the there's a suicide in the book. They're yeah. they're building towards something in the show that I don't think is quite the same. I would, but think it's so. like thematically uh, similar. I guess we'll see. I mean, I don't know if we want to spoil a eighty year old book, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's got Han Solo there. He's he's just a savage from America who believes in the power of rock and roll. I feel like you're saying things that are incongruous with you're saying it's good. I'm curious. I would be curious to see what you thought of the show if you watched it. Yeah, maybe at some point. Um, I mean, he, that guy has his moments here and there. Like at one point, like uh, the Bernard character kind of gets like shown up by another one of the uh, the drones there, and Hansel is just like that guy just shit all over you in front of everyone. Because <laughs> I, uh, it's weird. Like I feel like I had a lot going on last weekend, you know, and so. Like squeezing Buffy and the mm. podcast in was obviously manageable, but like it, was, it felt felt a little tougher. Um, I feel like I have jack shit going on <laughs> this weekend, and I'm still just like, get, get do the I have first, time to watch a new show? I don't get, know. Give the first two episodes a watch. Okay. Um, the third one is probably the best episode, but uh, the first two will give you a taste at least. Okay, okay. This, the third one is the one where we find out where Han Solo was in a wheelchair before he crashed into the Brave New World. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and then what else have I been watching? Oh, I watched the Jenny Nicholson video on the last BronyCon, which okay. was surreal and entertaining. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize this, but apparently she's horse famous. She's like secretly like part of some th- uh, like fan thing called Friendship is Witchcraft, 
which is like a big deal in the brony community. And it was I don't know. She's like kind of like humble flexing in it. It's like, oh, by the way, like I'm like horse famous and like people are still like singing her songs and dancing to them on like TikTok now and just stuff like that. It's pretty bizarre. James, mm-hmm. you're perfect. Okay. Hold on for a moment. Everyone else listening, did you understand a word he just said? They can watch the video and find out, man. Are bronies still a thing, or is it just like the last brony con before? Pandemic? I guess I guess they're not as much of a thing anymore. They've kind of like, according to the video, somewhat absorbed into like the furry community because that was like the that was the last brony con was the one they held before the pandemic. Okay, it was and it was like announced that they would be the last one. Okay, and like. Uh... Were the bronies at all related to like the Lisa Frank people, or is that a separate thing? Separate thing. I don't know. Watch the video. It's an entertaining video. You'll learn okay. something. Sounds that way. Yeah. Some weird fucking the, people. Did you at one point say that she was horse famous? Yeah, she's horse famous. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's when you're famous within the brony con or the brony community. Not just not just the equestrian communities altogether. Yeah, but specifically the brony community. Okay. Okay. Huh, I wonder what the bronies think of like the questronauts. Yeah. No. Uh, well, what are you listening to? Well, so three days ago, I was listening to Once More a Feeling. Two right. days ago, I was listening to the Phoebe Bridgers album again. And then for the twenty four last 24 hours straight, it feels like <laughs> I've been listening to a little album that not many people have heard of dropped from our girl Taylor Swift. Folklore. Yeah, I had been listening to some old Radiohead back when they were good, uh, but then yeah, obviously Taylor Swift is kind of uh, you know taking the world by storm with her quarantine album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shockingly good. It's not shockingly good. It's amazingly good. What I what I the only thing I think is surprising to me about it, and I guess it kind of fits the pandemic times, is it feels very much like um, like it's not so much designed for singles. Which is where definitely I, not. Yeah, I kind of I kind of hate the music industry. Like it's a, it's yeah, it's a real album. Mm-hmm. Um, everything feels like it belongs together, and obviously there's a story that people are going to debate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's multiple stories. I mean, I, I I think it's kind of funny to see people going so hard for like, oh, this is a reference to the Kennedys, or this is like she's talking about Joe Jonas here, and she's like she very specifically like put in like the like liner notes or whatever that like not all this is about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But people yeah, I don't, I don't, like, yeah, I don't know if she's going to like send Joe Jonas and Sophia like, mm-hmm. their baby a kit or their their baby a present. But yeah, I mean, but like, no, I just mean like the debate of like, how gay is it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is that's, fine. That's, that's gay as you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Everything is as gay as you want it to be. Um, I mean, it just sounds like Becky's had a rough go. Betty, you mean? Betty, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got confused because there's a Rebecca earlier mm-hmm. in the album. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can uh, tell this will be a good writing album. It has a nice, consistent flow where you can just kind of put it on and kind of get into your groove there. Um, I like that it has no like obvious singles. Like the, under the whole rollout of it, it's like here it is. It's a surprise. It has some music. Peace out. Like I like Lover. It just seemed like she was trying so hard to like be the, the biggest pop star in the world. And like this, this album was like pretty much exactly what I would have wanted for her. It's like hey, strip it down stop chasing like the pop crown or whatever and just like you know make good music and that seems to be what she's done so well, i think lover exactly was, what i wanted well lover was like 
you people didn't appreciate reputation enough. So mm-hmm. she's like, is this what you want? Is this what you want? Um, Where's this? Man, just put this on and just live your life. It's okay. Let your tears ricochet. Sure. And I just loved how quickly people made like Raylo videos to like my oh, tears really? ricochet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, if you've only heard like Taylor Swift recently, I think you might be surprised. Let's put it that way. It's it's folk-ish, but not entirely. You know, it still has her own vibe to it. But it's I don't know. It's it's like a nice introspective vibe. It's a nice vibe for quarantine. Absolutely. What's well, uh? It's um. I don't know. I mean, if you're like me and you're like, you know what? Here's the thing. Summer's kind of bullshit. Um. I kind of wish it was the fall like this. The sun will get better in the fall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the night is coming um, and it is sonically wonderful. Um, yeah. So I love it. It's just nice and chill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice to listen to. Mm-hmm. All the bullshit going on in the world. Yeah, there's so much bullshit. Oh, there's so much bullshit. All right. Well, what are you reading? Uh, I, I'm not reading anything at the moment. I'm, I'm wanting. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Um, finished news of the world, and then I've been drifting. You? Uh, more of the Night Country by Melissa Albert. A little bit further in, I can kind of see a little bit maybe of where the story's going. Mm. I think she's gonna like reclaim some of her powers and like go on a magic bender or something like that. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to Buffy season five. <laughs> Uh, slight follow up because I can't believe that we missed this. This, you know, some old sins and missed opportunities that keep me up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. We got through all of talking about the Zeppo and never touched once upon the fact that the guy who played Jack O'Toole was not only in Mike Dexter's crew and can't hardly wait, oh, yeah. but he was the guy who asked for not the five but the ten for right, right. Diggler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the one who said famously, Get it a little bit wet. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have an opening statement for us? Yeah. I. So, what did I do? I watched. Let me ask you first. Did you watch everything? Didn't have time to do everything because we decided to do this a day early. Um, I watched everything through Fool for Love, and then I skipped the checkpoint, which is probably a good idea because all those yeah. episodes in between looked like duds. A giant snake, something from outer space. Yeah. Um, it just it's wild to me that season five starts with Buffy laying in bed with Riley, unfulfilled. Um. Mm. My my one quick note about... Did you watch uh, Buffy vs. Dracula? I did watch Buffy vs. Dracula, which I just want to say real quick about that episode. It is ridiculous, but I almost think it's kind of purposely so. Like, it distracts you they can so they can sneak Dawn at the end there. Um, this is my theory about that episode. Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like Joss is, like, more checked out than ever this season, even though he's, like, technically a showrunner. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like, obviously, Marty Noxon's going to replace him. He's probably somewhat grooming her to be his replacement at this point. It seems like I would I would guess, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I would guess that Jaws had the idea for Buffy versus Dracula mm-hmm. and like kind of like saw it in his head, like, oh yeah, it'll be like this and it'll be kind of wacky and a one off. And then he was like, Marty, you do it. And like she just didn't bring like whatever he was thinking, she didn't quite capture it. Like she needs to do like her ideas, not his ideas, you know? Did she write it? Yeah, yeah, she wrote it. Like the non Dracula stuff in that episode feels like Good season premiere, leading yeah. summer, coming into fall. Like, mm-hmm. all the Scooby Gang stuff is fun, except for, like, Xander as Renfield. But, like, all that stuff is fun. It feels like we're setting up a season, 
And then you've got like SMG reuniting with the guy from uh, um, All My Children. And he's oh, uh, the, the stiff that's playing Dracula, no yeah, pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so I feel like uh, going into the season, you know, with that curiosity after Restless when it was first airing, that sense of wonder as Dawn is suddenly there, kind of like slightly leaves you on the edge of your seat in a new way, like curious about what the plan is here. Um, I think I enjoyed this season a lot more when it was first on. I don't know how I felt about parts of it, uh, rewatching it. Um, it's just interesting going like from, um, uh, oh, who did I have? Oh, like the first, uh, um, Slayer to the Knights of Byzantium, to Dracula, like you, it, like after you initially, like the show's like really going back to these like atavistic villains, like, uh, reinforcing old systems, old power structures, which kind of ties into the last one we'll talk about. Um, the first episode we're going to discuss features two of my most favorite absurd comic Buffy moments ever. Um, as a whole, I don't know. I don't know if, if this season's great. It feels like a lot of ways it's better than season four. It's a little bit darker. And yeah, buckle up for some Douglas Petrie. What you got? <sighs> you know, it's hard to put a finger on it, but the show feels a little more surface this season. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots of big plots, idea, plot ideas and concepts, but it's not as rich in metaphor as it used to be. Like Glory's whole plot line feels separate from Buffy's character development other than as like an obstacle for her to face. There's not really like a a ton of personal connection or symbolism there, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think season five of Buffy is the first time when the show felt like it was starting to spin its wheels a little. There's some definitely some good stuff in there, but there's also a lot of what feels like stalling. Like we introduce a big bad fairly early in the season. And then she mostly just vamps around and hangs out and whines about her MacGuffin for a long time. Mm-hmm. I like Claire Kramer and she's fun as glory, but it always seemed like uh, they just had her cooling her fashionable heels way too long. Um, it seems a little too formulaic at points too. It's just like, Hey, it's a new big bad. She's going to pop up here and there all season, but nothing big is going to happen until the finale. Like it just seemed like we'd, we'd done this too many times now. Um, Riley is just a massive tool in the first half of the season, uh, even more so than before. Like, thank God they wrote him off. It's weird. It almost, it's like they could have taken, like there was some pretty loud and obvious criticisms of Riley mm-hmm. at the end of season four. And it's like, they listened to him and just doubled down on everything people hated about him, which I, I guess that's a way to get rid of him, you know, to Good just choice. like steer into it. And they are like, so long asshole. Um, Don is a daring addition. Just especially the bald faced way that they integrate her into the story. And I think sometimes it works, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like they really developed Buffy's relationship with her enough before that big reveal there. Um, the last episode that we watched checkpoint, it almost feels like the writers themselves are like coming to a checkpoint and trying to figure out like what they're doing with this season. It's still fun Buffy, but it's a different show now. And I think some of the spark is gone mm. in statement. I sometimes worry when Buffy has to like, tell you the theme like she has to state yeah in this essay i will discuss um i think i think the thing about dawn is they perfectly nailed that she's the annoying little sister i think they nailed it too well yeah they didn't give her enough of a character so like i think by the is it lessons like the the season seven premiere it's like you should love dawn and you should think you know what the dawn show could actually be really interesting and instead you're just like Ugh! Don't do a fucking dawn. This the vampire yeah. spinoff. Um, also, regarding Claire Kramer, I will try to keep my cartoon tongue and my cartoon wolf mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, she is fantastic in this. I mean, like, like you said, thank God she's in this stuff because if it's spinning its wheels, 
at least she's fantastic as it. Um, anyway, yeah. Shall we talk about No Place Like Home, S5E5? I've got yeah. five moments as usual. I also have five. So why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, minor moment, but Willow's gift wrapping job. I just thought it was very amusing. Especially because most of it's just kind of happening in the background of the scene as like they're having conversations and doing other stuff. Um, it's a truly hideous gift wrapping performance. A plus. It really reminded me, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it all later because it's probably not that interesting, of my uh, very short tenure working at Kohl's. Um, mm. That uh, something like that was when I was like, I'm not coming back to this job. <laughs> I, I was not meant to be in retail. I don't know how to wrap a woman's dress. Uh, my number five is just Willow saying that she has a lot of involuntary empathy for Don because, you know, she's a big spaz. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Uh, my number four is when Buffy is in the trance and we see Don disappearing in the photo. It's super creepy. Um, and then like when she's in Don's room, that's a pretty cool visual effect there. of The room flashing back between Don's room and like kind of like an empty room with just some crap like storage, you know. The only time the the effects show their age is when they they do the reverse to Michelle Trachtenberg, I think. Like I think mean? I think SMG kind of blends. It's obviously like it's a lot of green screen. I think SMG still kind of blends into her side, and then like the the oh, do you mean Don walks in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you can definitely tell that she's for sure in front of a green screen. Right, right, yeah. Um, my number four is just the introduction of Glory. Like, what a sexy breath of fresh air. And she's just like, you know what? Look at all this scenery. I am going to devour it. Let's see. What are we, number three? Yeah. Uh, mine is, this could be higher, but I put it here. Buffy saying, what are you doing here to Spike? Five words or less. And Spike says, out for a walk. Bitch. <laughs> like the little hangly sign he gets. I can't believe that's so low on your list. Well, you know. Um. Uh, my number three is 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 what you mentioned with the the spell that they did the pull back the curtain spell, but also the great like uh, paranoia cinema camera trick where Buffy's done the spell and she's downstairs in the living room afterward on the phone with Giles and he's asking you know about it and she's like kind of pacing back and forth and then as she like comes back to the left side of the frame suddenly Dawn is standing right there behind her and like Buffy gets very quiet sensing and Dawn's like what are you talking about? <laughs> Every once in a while Dawn is just like. Why don't I just suddenly talk in a suspicious tone? Well, they, that's they, what this beat calls for. They went really hard in that episode to make it's like is Don evil, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Two now. My yeah. number two is Giles in his wizard outfit, just standing there, that just quietly dress up like a wizard until Buffy stares at him long enough, and he's like, "Okay," and he takes it off. The hell is your number one? We'll get uh, there. My number Relax. two is what are you doing here? Uh, five words or less out for a walk bitch and then just not just that but uh when he does leave because he says he's just stopping out by on his way to you know this place or that place she sees that there's quite a few cigarette butts on that <laughs> yeah. tree yeah be concerned buffy yeah uh so my number one uh kind of a common moment here glory sneaking up behind buffy very humorously and then their their big fight there mm. and kind of that that sequence where glory beats the shit out of her Buffy's like, you know what else I'm not? Stupid. Mm-hmm. Also, it's heels. I can't believe how quiet she was thinking about her. <laughs> it should have been like, clunk, clunk, clunk. Um, number one, of course, 100% is Giles wearing his wizard robe and hat and just standing there 
just standing there waiting. And Buffy doesn't even give him a dirty look or anything. And then he just slowly takes it off and doesn't talk about it. And then the kicker is when Willow shows up later and she's like, oh, where's your robe and hat? Yeah, I, I that would have been weird if he was just wearing that outfit for now on when he's in the magic shop. <laughs> Especially when Quentin shows up. Fucking Quentin, yeah. All right, uh, so that was our number one. So let's dive into the episode here. Mm. <laughs> Actually, let me pull up the episode real quick. I should do that as well. Yeah, so we'll start with a kind of a flashback, I guess, in the Czech Republic in the Order of Dagon. Um. These are the three guys who conjured up Dawn. It's just funny thing of these three monks not wearing underwear coming up with a teenage girl. Yeah, they um that spell doesn't seem too complicated. They all just kind of go like, nah, and then kaboom. Well, when he's just like, we turned your memories, I was like, just say that the spell did it. Like, yeah. don't, don't make it imply that you guys spent hours just being like, how do teenage girls talk? <laughs> it just kind of did it on its own. Yeah. Which what, what we haven't talked about too is, this is kind of the brilliant setup, though, for the animated series that they wanted to do, where it was just the high school years again, animated, and Dawn's a little sister. Oh, really? Like, like the alternate, like reality yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just like the adventures you didn't see from the show, um, but also Dawn's just in the mix. I can see that. Yeah, apparently uh, they got like very close with that. There was probably like quite a few scripts written. I kind of always wondered like if they're going to ever release those in some way. Yeah, who knows. I mean, I don't know. You, you would have think that would have been a slam dunk, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, and then we we don't see the beast at this point. We just see that she's kicking this like massive door down. They don't even really like stick with the beast very long. The beast, the abomination. Yeah, we we skipped over something. whatever episode where they learn that she's glory, but at yeah. some point between seven and twelve. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So something big is trying to pound its way into this giant door um and then we cut to now where like buffy's in a fight with that guy who had a bit role in oceans 11 and oceans 13 um and he she defeats this vampire and the security guard walks up and he's like i'm remarkably cool with you kids doing raves at the abandoned warehouse i guard or whatever's well you know i get paid by the hour i really don't give a shit i think is what this guy's saying i would still be a little bit concerned if I'm in any way responsible for a space where people might OD or the plot of Go might be happening. Yeah. You just take your glowy ball with you. Like, if there's a concern that I might find Sarah Polly just hidden under some refuse, I'm I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, so she finds her glowing orb and, and pieces out. Uh, Which we Dawn, will learn is the Dagon Sphere. Yeah. Dawn's around. Joyce is sick. Uh, she and Dawn have a book club together. Um, yeah, so I... Skipped over because, like, obviously, in um, it's like episode two where like Giles is like in on uh getting the magic shop. Because in episode one, he's like, I'm thinking about leaving town, that thing that I eventually will do in season yeah. six. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's delayed for a season because Buffy really needed him around. <laughs> I'm really out of cash, you guys. In the in the previous episode, here is when Joyce uh, she like, I don't know, fainted and briefly looked at dawn and it was like who are you or something like that yeah so Ooh. she's got some health problems that will uh, continue yeah. yeah for the next part of the season as we go into the woods yeah yeah um but yeah the wizard robe and hat that moment will never not be perfect so this is day one of the magic shop um 
Giles has been there since 9 a.m., had zero customers by the time Buffy and Don walk in. I love her. This has been on my top moments. She's like, soon you'll be making money hand over fist. And she's like trying to like mime, like, what does that even look like? My hand over my fist. Anyway, whatever. I just love the way she stares him down, like the look on her face. It's just like, Giles, don't make me say it. Yeah. (laughs) This is my Buffy face. Now take that off. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, this will be the kind of magic shop where the owner's friends are always just going to be hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a table for them to hang out at. Yeah. And there's alcohol there too. I mean, what else would that be for? For people to like play Magic the Gathering or something? Like a comic shop? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, and then it would just like fill up with just like annoying dude bros in their early 20s. Oh my God. But then, then that would become almost too meta where it's like, well, you're the slayer, huh? Well, you know, something, something, something. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of a comic book guy. The, the right now. trio of nerds would just be hanging out there. Yeah. 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 Um, Although, is it is it passe to play Magic the Gathering at a magic shop? Do you get laughed at? I don't know. I mean, they don't get laughed at in comic book stores, so I think they just have no shame. True, true. Um, yeah, so Buffy's going to be really worried about her mom's health still. Willow shows up excited with that hat and cloak. Uh, Willow came over of Riley, and I'm kind of wondering what that walkover was like, but I guess God, likes awkward Riley. As fuck. Oh, that is just the writers. For whatever reason when riley goes it's like we're supposed to feel mad at buffy for it or something like she has failed him we didn't do that episode because fuck that episode but yeah there's a moment in even like in checkpoint where she's like xander that's riley speak and it's like don't say that name don't yeah. ever say that name again yeah so buffy shows him the glowing orb she found like before and jaws like it appears to be supernatural in origin well it's like how can you tell and he's like well it's so shiny Oh, I think this is the part where uh, Don just like cuts Riley's balls all the way off by like, it's like, oh, well, Buffy was saying how you're too weak to go out and patrol and you're just like a kitten and you'd be in the way. And Riley just sits there and takes it. Yeah, because he had something post initiative or he's not. Oh, in the previous episode, he was like, I don't know, his heart was like 180 beats per minute or something like that, like because of residual effects from whatever Maggie Walsh did to him. Whatever, that's two energy drinks, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Bobby's been trying to like, protect his feelings, but he wants to go patrolling. And, you know, Giles has a danger room set up in the back. Um, the square footage of this place is insane. Yeah, what's, like, the retail space rent on this? I'd love to know. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a lot of room to devote to training. Well, I mean, here's a thought, Giles. Move in the back. <laughs> like. Oh, he does have a pretty sweet place, though. I mean, he does have a sweet place, but I mean, I mean, he wasn't making any money up until right now. I just want to know how Anya has been making money all this time. Yes, I have a serious question about that. She has been a human girl again for a year and a half with her own place. With her own place, it's it's established in the uh, replacement episode S five e three that Anya has her own place. So how is she paying for it? Yeah, yeah good for her um yeah so buffy's feeling the frustrations of being the big sister um her and don go home just joyce suffering from a headache buffy says she'll go to the hospital pharmacy back in 10 minutes that's not possible yeah really that's not possible i don't think it's possible to leave your house to go to any store and be back in 10 minutes the pharmacy the hospital pharmacy near me is maybe a 10 minute drive away but like Am I getting there? Getting, I mean, there's like an in and out, like back? literally like like 500 yards from my house. Probably. I don't think I could get there and back in 10 minutes. Well, also it's in and out. Like, yeah, it's never been fast. Okay, sure, sure. 
but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got like other food places there too. They're also ten minutes. Uh-huh. What are you smoking? <laughs> um, but Buffy goes to the hospital. She gets the medicine. She runs into Ben, who sucks. I mean, God, talk about ben making sucks. Riley look better. Uh, before we before we shit all over Ben, I just want to point out it's pretty. I have funny a lot of shit see, though. See, see, there's, fiber. Like, there's like a big like purple uh, iMac. One of those old yes. IMAX in the pharmacy scene. It's just mm-hmm. pretty funny. Like very early, early 2000s. Well, I feel those like Buffy was ubiquitous. Buffy was like the one show where like, yeah, we use Mac products. Uh, there's more than that. I mean, Apple, I think they've always uh, been able to product place and various movies. You know, they, they took down the aliens in Independence Day. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, good for them. Anyway, um, Ben is like the Johnny Egg to Riley's Toby Cavanaugh, maybe. Oof, man. Rough. Like I don't, I don't remember what his meat. Although wouldn't wouldn't Toby her. be more of an angel? <laughs> Just saying. Well, then who's Caleb in all this? Um, I is don't he know. the immortal? He's not Spike, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know who Caleb would be. Caleb's but to- Toby's definitely angel. If you're gonna pick one, I would say. Oh, to- or, uh, he's got King the Don big hair. Needs, he just needs to have like those big ass long trench coats or what? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Toby needed to join the trench coat mafia, <laughs> which is two years before this, right? Okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't remember what ben. ben Ben's meet cute with Buffy was, but he's like, I think, flirting with her. This might be. It's not the first time. He's no, no. Before. He was in the the one before. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The the episode before this was the first time we saw him. It's like. It's like something I'm like, is this what it looks like when us men, quote unquote, flirt? <laughs> is this what we actually look like? Oh, well, he has a great line. Not to be rampantly sexist in the workplace, but you've got some serious muscles for a girl. Just working it. That's his material. Yeah. This guy is like, I don't know, 45% just hair. I hate his hair. It's, it's big, stupid, floppy hair. I hate but it. But this is what he's coasting on, though, is 45% yeah. that haircut. Um, yeah. Also, the security guard that Buffy met the night before seems to be crazy now. He has to be restrained. He's the guy that Ben's restraining. Ben is like, I think he's a nurse, but he keeps like prescribing medicine in various places. I don't know. Is he an orderly? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's a doctor, right? I thought orderlies were only a thing that happened in like mental hospitals. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Your mom's a nurse. (laughs) You both your parents work in professional healthcare. I'm pretty sure he's not a doctor. He doesn't. Yeah. I, I refuse to live in a world where Ben's a doctor. Doctor, he's too young to be a doctor. Ben, he could be like I don't know, a transporter maybe or something. Oh, one of those. Oh, those guys make money though, don't they? I don't know. Like if you work at Kaiser, you make money. Put it that okay. way. Word. Um. So meanwhile, in that abandoned warehouse, one of the monks that survived, who looks I don't know, a little bit like uh, late '90s Robert Carlyle, a little bit. Like he looks a like little, a yeah, like but rolls like, on up like, Robert Carlyle, like nerdier. Yeah. Um, he's like writing a map down and like something's not pounding on this door and boom, it's glory. And she's incredible. And she looks, I don't know. She looks incredible. Could Claire Kramer be a possibility? I, I don't know. Oh, we can talk about that later. Okay. Um, yeah. So after the commercial, we see that Giles finally has customers, uh, even for the early two thousands, Giles has a super old timey cash register. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Like, did this come with the shop, or is he just like, no, this is part of my affect? Well, this is this like first sale because people are finally starting to drift in. Soon it'll be like a flood of people. Yeah, I don't know why everyone's going to the magic shop, but sure. Seriously, what is with all the participating in commerce this day? 
Yeah. Um, so Anya shows up. She's nearly out of money. She's frustrated for having to afford things. Like Xander's whole thing is that he's like finally got the construction job. So he got a new yeah, apartment. Yeah, he's like right? a he's like a cabinetry carpenter, basically. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his apartment's nice, but it's kind of bland. I mean, I, what do you think that would go for in a place like Sunnydale, which we assume is like Santa Barbara? Like, it seems like that'd be pretty pricey. That's like a three thousand month. Yeah. Place easily. I mean, he's, um, he's got like the the big old bay windows and everything. That whole area, yeah. It's I a mean, big apartment. Yeah, it's like this kind of like weird, almost Art Deco vibe. I mean, at that point, I don't know if Xander's the kind of guy who wants a DTR, but it's like you might want to ask Anya and like seven other people to move in just to help out. Um, but yeah, so again, I have in my notes just like how, what is she doing for money? Um, meanwhile, Gloria's like or Gloria. Gloria. Glory has tied up the monk and is monologuing. Um, she's about she's got a to gr- great line here. Tell me where the key is, or I'll go bowling. And she's like holding his uh, nose in her hand. She is about to go put on stuck in the middle of you and cut this dude's ear off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a part where she's like on her knees in front of him, like pulling on his rope. I found it to be that very do sexual. something for you. It, I sure did. I wanted. To we know should mention was. Glory's look here. She's kind of a bottle blonde, like dirty blonde hair. Uh, kind of a little permy, uh, like slightly like wavy. Uh, and she's, I think, pretty much always in this red dress, right? Or some red, red towel, different red dresses, yeah, heels. Yeah. She's very lady in red. She's um, and like a lot of like, um, like when she's back at her lair, she'll be like, you know, oiling up to like, you know, with uh, lotion, very scented lotions, and you know, just like she's very girly, girly, I guess is the thing. It's like, oh, she's. She's very feminine, but she's like a god, basically. She's like super strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see that movie, Late in Red, with Gene Wilder? No, I did not. There was a whole genre of 80s movies where it's just like you're rooting for this like um, middle-class schlub to cheat on his wife successfully. Okay. And so that was just him with uh, the weird science lady. Anyway, um, so there's like also like a, another security guard like tied up in the corner, like begging for his life. He's like, I got a wife and kids. And then she does like a weird move where she kind of like sticks her hands like inside his brain and they kind of like phase into it, you know, all glowy. Mm-hmm. And this like this helps her. It's like she has to do this occasionally to maintain her own like, I don't know, sanity or well-being. It's like it's, it's kind of like vampirish, I guess, you know, where she has to like feed off other people, but she's like feeding off their minds or something. I mean, I got this way. Glory's going through it and I I definitely felt sympathy for her here because. Who hasn't had a manic monologue in the last week? Um, and she drops a, a sitting on the tuffet reference. Uh-huh. So, so all the restless people are, are the, you know, whatever's going on in Faith and Buffy's dreams, people are freaking out. But yeah, man, if, if glowing brain juice sucked out of some schlub's head is the key, I'll take it. Um, back in the magic shop, place inundated with customers. Jow's like recruited all There's the way to too many out. people in here. It might be a fire hazard. Yeah. Um, Anya's just like, she's got a customer's money and she's like, Please go. This customer. She just, she knows her retail. She likes capitalism. Yeah. And so like Xander's just like, babe, babe. Like, uh, I just wanted to let you know that like uh, the shopkeepers unit of America called and they wanted you to let you know that please go has been replaced with have a nice day. And she's like, but I have their money. Who cares what kind of day they have? And he's like, exactly. no. And it's just a long cultural tradition of raging sincerity. Embrace it. <laughs> she says, hey, you have a nice day. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know, at the same time, roughly the same time? Shit, no, maybe a couple years earlier, I was like, yeah, High Fidelity, that's a movie about customer service. 
Yeah, well, High Fidelity is probably around. This is like 2000, I think, right? I can't remember if it was a late 90s movie or a early 00s movie. I feel like I watched that in college. So, mm, okay. we'll see. Um, so, Buffy's now convinced that someone has made her mother supernatural yeah, sick. Okay, so just a year earlier. March 28, 2000, yeah. Um, and so, everyone's like, okay, sure. Someone's obviously made Joy supernaturally sick. Let's get on that. Um, Willow is doing just a straight up garbage job of wrapping something for a customer. Anya has to take over and she wraps it well so we can see like, oh, she's good at retail. But it is pretty effective that they kind of do that in, in the background of the scene. Yeah. While they're all having this conversation about other stuff. So the breaking point for me at Kohl's was they had, I just needed some kind of job because I was bored and I had just moved back to California. It's also like, what, just a few years ago? Uh, it's 2014, I believe. Okay. Um, I didn't really want to go back into the field I'd been in. I wasn't really hurting for money at the time. And I was like, what the hell? I need something. I'll take literally the, any job, first job that comes to me. They put me in the, what did they call that position in the back? It's not customer service. Is it customer service? Where you go and complain or return things? I think that's customer service. Okay, customer service. So they had me start at like 5 o'clock on a Monday. And they're like, this guy right here is going to train you. And that dude immediately like turned to me and was like, I've been working all day. I'm taking my break. And I was like, you know, I know nothing, right? Like, I don't even have to turn on this computer. Anyway, by day three of that job, they were having one of their ridiculous like bullshit coal sales. And they're like, we need you to work a cash register up front. I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that either. Um, but the only thing they had taught me how to do was give discounts. And so anyways, uh-huh. a lot of ladies' dresses were very complicated, and I didn't know how to fold them. Um, and I just started, like, one point, I just started kind of, like, holding a hanger and, like, wrapping this, like, it, like this uh-huh. dress around the hanger That's in the how air. That's yeah. And uh, the woman who was buying this, uh, the look on her face told me she was not appreciating what I was doing. So I just kept giving her 10, more, 10% more, 10% more off. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, Anya and Giles tell Buffy about this uh, old French... I can't remember sorcerer who like Cloutier. Uh, let's say he's French. Let's say he's French. Um, he came yeah. up with like a spell that will show traces of other magic that's done, and they suggest that she does that at home to see if anyone's you know done voodoo to her mom. Yeah, so she can see if there's like anything because Buffy's this is her new idea because she found that Dagon sphere. Is that like, um, you know, the reason my mom is sick is supernatural, and of course, the the big twist if you if you want to call it that this season is it no there's nothing supernatural about joyce at all yeah. and her illness yeah so buffy has riley come over because she feels bad for him she's trying to include him make him feel special and useful he's kind of sticking it to her how they should take care of each other i mean um she's only making him feel better because he's keeps going around so butthurt but like she's gonna do this ritual um and she needs him to like help her you know, pour sand and stuff. I, I don't even want to think about pouring sand straight into my carpet. I was thinking, thinking exactly that. She's just dumping a bunch of sand all over her rug there. Yeah, enjoy your vacuuming later. Like you could, I don't know, put a tarp down or something, you know. Seriously, especially in your own room. Yeah. Um, but Riley, God, Riley sucks. I think it was in the end of the uh, replacements episode uh, when he's talking to Xander and he's like, oh, you know, Buffy's so great, but she doesn't love me. It's like, oh, this is your angst. Go away. Oh, is that like why Xander like especially sticking it to Buffy on 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 the case of Riley? That just it it doesn't make any sense to me. Like for some reason Xander has decided that he has broed down with Riley and like he's taking his side and stuff. But he's just gonna be like, Xander, you gonna meddle? Are you gonna meddle? Just be like, Xander, come on, him or me. I know who you're picking. <laughs> um Yeah. Well, I mean, because I think Xander's trying to live vicariously through but or Riley, right? I guess so, yeah. I think he sees Riley as like um, a role model. 
Uh, fuck you, Riley. Well, um, but you know, it's he... like he's he's like comparing his relationship with Anya maybe to to him and Buffy. Maybe I mean maybe he also slightly sees the writing on the wall with Spike and is like no more supernatural boyfriends for her. Um, at one point, Don knocks on the door and is like, "What are you doing in there?" And Buffy yells, "My boyfriend." Uh, anyway, so she does the ritual and goes downstairs. And it's basically like she sees the house and the cross between like a drug daze and like an Instagram filter. Um, runs into her mom who's going out. I don't know where Joyce is going, but there's nothing wrong with her mom, you know, visually. I think, isn't this like her mom's like, I'm feeling way better. I'm going to go head out like to see the girls or something like that. I'm heading to the Bradbury for a drink. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> My good friend, Ashley Marin. Uh, Who can put them away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only gonna be. I'm only gonna stay for 20 minutes. Ashley will be there till they close. Um, Every night. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody pours her into a cab. Um, you know, over her shoulder though, she sees the family picture. Like I said, it's like this picture of Joyce, Buffy, and Don. But like, right back to the future, where Don's yeah, just fading out. Yeah. Yeah, Don's just kind of like glitching in and out of it. Um, and then she grabs like another photo of the three of them. And it's the same thing with Don flickering in and out. So this is when Buffy goes upstairs to Don's room, and the whole thing it's like it's like alternate back and forth like it's like dark spare room and like this like bright Don's room and then Don's like who told you to come into my room it's pretty good like pretty good effect i would say yeah it's and the idea really works too um that's the thing about season 5 i think there's a lot of there's a lot of big ideas and i think they yeah. mostly execute them well although it doesn't it you do kind of get the feeling of like man if they had like one more pass at this they'd really nail it yeah well this was this would be a great season to be like 13 episodes <laughs> well yeah because this season's also much more like plot heavy it feels like it's much more serialized like the show's always been somewhat serialized but it, it feels like there's more of the but long like, season plot happening in each episode than usual like less less points less beats to hit you know what i mean it's yeah. like like oh we've, we've got these like six moments we gotta hit let's do that over the course of like 14 episodes <laughs> yeah really uh so buffy gets a call from giles the magic shop is just fucking hopping um they've identified the orb the dagon sphere it's a protection ball to ward off like ancient primordial evil like unnamed evil oh by um, the way buffy when she saw don there she said you're not my sister yeah which i'm threw, sure don appreciated that threw her against the wall hurt her arm um buffy's wondering what the evil looks like because she's assuming it's dawn there's a very small hilarious moment where this woman tries to interrupt giles on the phone for a question about a crystal ball Oh yeah. <laughs> so Buffy's gonna go back to the factory where she found the sphere. Um and this is when Giles like, what'd you see under the spell? And like she senses that Dawn's there and she's just like, eh, nothing. So as she starts to leave, Dawn's just like, You really think I care that you're the slayer? It's like she's saying everything that would also be said from, by this ominous entity in her yeah, home. From now until the reveal later in the episode, Dawn's going to act like super evil. Like when Joyce comes home, she's like, Mom, I made you some tea. Drink yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. I'm Cary Grant in that Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, probably an accurate statement about Little Sisters. Um, oh, this is where uh, Puffy goes outside, just senses something, and uh, there's Spike, and she pulls out from behind a tree. I like that she senses something. From her angle, she should straight up be able to see him. Maybe she smells the cigarette smoke. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of signs there. I like that she's like, don't take this the wrong way, but and she punches him in the face. Uh, this is oh, I think this is where she calls him William, too, right? Yeah. Maybe. No yeah. one has time for this, William. This is one of the four times, apparently, she calls him William on the show. It's like they're just, like, firing little bits of where they want to go with this into the past. You know what I mean? Just slowly yeah. crawling its way forward. 
Um, Everything about this relationship is fun, I feel like, until it happens, kind of. And then you're like, okay, that's enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've seen a way a lot of people talk about the criticism to Raylo, which I've started to, I don't know, like, lay over my my thinking about rewatching this where it's like there's you know this is this is not a super healthy relationship there is definitely some some seriously toxic elements again not talking about the one thing but like uh it's fiction too so i think yeah you know it's like we're enjoying the parts that we enjoy and and leaving aside some of the other things um i guess i just mean like dramatically like i was actually thinking spike in a way kind of reminds me of felicity on arrow where like two characters that are like fun to have around mm-hmm. until suddenly it becomes like their job to like be the emotional center a lot of the time. Like what like when Spike just starts getting like really weepy, mm-hmm. like same as when like Felicity suddenly is just like like she goes from being like the snarky sidekick to just crying constantly. It's just not as much fun. It's like I don't need this from your character. I want you to be the fun one, not the one who's just like sad relationship drama constantly. Well, not just that. He he at times in the future will become like the courageous one, like the mature yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, whatever. People contain multitudes, and I think that's what I always liked about Spike, though, is that he, and obviously, Full for Love will show us that a little bit too. Is he he's always more interesting to me than Angel because Angel is like, oh, I was cursed and therefore I became good and I moped for a hundred years, whereas Spike was always bit like that thing about him that felt like he was wrong is actually what made him good like he was not like a good vampire you know in the way and whatever yeah um also this is the this beginning of like spikes like whenever i have a conversation with buffy i will just neg the fuck out of her oh like, yeah like oh are he, you shagging captain cardboard he really starts that up later too yeah oh my god and then like uh is it checkpoint fuck checkpoint he says maybe the most fucked up thing <laughs> like i'm surprised he she didn't cut off a hand yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of cigarette butts out there, which, oh, I, I think at the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, like obviously he's like really into her, and then like you know now watching it, I'm like, yeah, I get oh, that, but her. he's yeah. stalking her. It's not. Uh, it's not cute. <laughs> like I foolishly yeah. thought it was before. Not at all. Um. But yeah. I, I mean, I later. do wonder the intent there because you can certainly read it as stalkerish behavior, but I don't feel like the show is putting a a super fine point on it. Like the, he's still kind of goofy, fun, snarky Spike, and so I don't know if that was like, maybe that was unintentional. Like they meant for him to just come off as creepy, but like he's too charismatic of an actor or something, so it didn't land the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's something to deal with later. So um, Buffy walks off, and we pan up to see that Dawn's been watching all this from the upstairs window. She's evil. Yeah, I. You know the thing the season does, and I don't really remember what we've seen or what we're comfortable with is like i don't know that we've seen the back porch of buffy's house prior to fool for love but it's just like yeah okay uh, you've effectively like brought me to this new space and i believe it like yeah. i don't know how much we see like this top quadrant of buffy's house from the outside um yeah so joyce comes home dawn is there like you said this is when she's just like i made you tea well in the meantime buffy's uh gone to this factory and is searching around there and she sees the uh, the big hold and glory punch. And yeah, and then Don being super creepy with Joyce, like a weird Stepford child. Buffy finds this monk dude. And uh, this is when Glory does a funny little like, sneak up behind her thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Buffy's like, that's the thing about it. I'm not dumb. And so 
Glory like smacks her across the room and she's like, you sure about that last part? I mean, the thing about Claire Kramer is that she starts this show at 11. Yeah, and she'll stay there. Yeah. She might go to 12. <laughs> um, after the commercial, they finally close the magic box of the day. Everyone's just exhausted from a long, shitty day of working retail. Uh, but Anya's like living for this shit and Giles is just like, you're hired. Yeah. I mean, I, supposedly their overhead is good, so. There's a sign on the counter that says shoplifters will be transfigured. Oh, nice. Like, what do you think Giles, like, does he just have like a, like a monkey's paw guy? I mean, I assume that they like, when he bought this place, like the, the old owner just like had their, their books and whatnot. They could look at and be like, oh, here's the suppliers. I'll mm-hmm. just, you know, tell them I'm, they're billing me now or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, can you imagine just like doing the reordering and you're just like, oh, we need more of that sand for people's ding-dongs or whatever um sand so, people's ding-dongs oh yeah i imagine that's a uh-huh. popular item yeah seller um although again if you have to vacuum it out of your pubes no thank you uh so they mentioned buffy and then we cut to you know back at the warehouse where buffy's just getting thrown around by glory like yeah the line about like maybe i should like rip you in half uh like to see if we get two of you like worms or something like that yeah I mean, like, I'm trying not to describe this in sexual terms, but she's just being thrown against walls. And Buffy hits her at one point, and Clark's just like, what the fuck, LOL, you hit me? <laughs> she can't believe it. She's she's a very uh, impetuous god. I love her. She's like, hey, I just noticed you have superpowers. That is so cool. Can you fly? And she throws Buffy <laughs> across the warehouse. So- like, this character, I think, works, but, like, she should click even more. I think a lot of it is just that there's too much stalling on her part. Like mm-hmm. she's, she spends way too much time sitting around talking They're about sweet. being evil. Yeah. Yeah. And her sweet, um, Buffy, yeah, so Buffy grabs a monk and she jumps out the window with this dude and falls like, I don't know, a good 30 feet or so, but like lands with the guy on top of him. Um, Dark Knight style. Like, yeah. like Batman catching Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Glory realizes that she broke her heel. She's very pissed off. And so she stomps the ground, which causes like the whole like floor to cave in on top of her. Mm -hmm. That's going to ruin that dress. And then we Buffy like takes this monk dude like away a little bit before he collapses. And he's finally going to give us the big reveal about this whole key situation here. You know, you must protect the key. Um, Anywhere die if you don't keep it safe. The key is energy. It's a portal. It opens the door. Uh, for centuries, I had no form. They, him and his brethren, uh, the the abomination found them, and so they hid the key. They gave it form. They molded it into flesh, made it human, and sent it to you. Uh, and it's dawn. Obviously, Buffy puts together, and so they were like, "We knew the Slayer would protect it." I mean, right for the show, she's like, "So you fucked with my memories." They're like, "Obviously, yeah." And she's like, "What is she?" And he's like, "Human, and now helpless." She doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, she she's not my sister, and he's like, she doesn't know. Um, so she goes home, and like Joyce and Don are on the couch. I guess this is their book club. And like Don storms upstairs, and Buffy gets home because Buffy's been a monster to her all day. Um, and so Buffy goes and knocks on door, Don's door and apologizes for hurting her arm, and Don's just like butthole. <laughs> um, so Don says that she has this theory that Buffy's not really her sister; that she was an adopted howler monkey. Burn. <laughs> Um, is it like season six where like suddenly Michelle Trachtenberg is like three feet taller than SMG? She does get taller. Yeah. I think it's around season six. Um, cause I yeah, mean, so, 
I don't know, maybe she was like, what, 14 or 15 when shooting this? She's pretty young, I think. Yeah. I mean, Don comes out with some digs on Buffy's fashion and smell. Like, I want to live in a headcanon where Buffy smells fantastic, but she does spend a lot of time in cemeteries and sewers, so I don't know. And like like fighting corpses, you know? Yeah, yeah. I imagine I mean, that, that monk probably shit his pants. And Buffy probably smells like it now. <laughs> oh my god, wearing like a monk's robe where you don't have like undies on underneath and you're shitting yourself? Ooh. Okay, yeah, d- uh, Michelle Trachtenberg would have been like 14 when she's filming the season. Who she, what is, uh, So she went on to become Harriet the Spy and then she was on Gossip well, she, Girl? She was then... Harriet the Spy. She went on yeah. to become Dawn. Uh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, then Gossip Girl and then... Um... I mean, she's in Euro Trip. Gossip Girl is the most recent stuff that she's done that's notable. She's not the one by which Scotty doesn't know, right? No, Chris, she's like Kristen the Crook? sister. Yeah, she, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg is like a sister character in that, I believe. Okay, okay. Uh, I guess she's, I don't know, did some voice work for Robot Chicken. Hasn't okay. acted in a couple of years. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe she's a smart yeah. one. Huh. Also, Eurotrip, maybe Matt Damon's best role. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> um, it's sad that I still remember lyrics from that song. <laughs> uh, Buffy's like, you can't even take an apology. You always do that ever since. And then she kind of realizes that, you know, she has all these memories of Dawn. So Dawn is basically her sister. But um, also realizing at the same time, they're not real. You know, it's like kind of a, just a yeah. weird thing to think. Yeah. But they can they can kind of slightly reconcile over this particular uh, fight over their concern for their mom's health since they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. That's literally the end of the episode. Um, I mean, it's a fine episode, I guess. It's it's uh, better, it's better like checkpoint. the big like we're we've been jerking you around for four episodes with like what this Dawn character we're finally gonna like explain ourselves episode. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's there's something to be said for like, I feel like my complaints about Perry Mason are the exact opposite of what I would have for other shows or other shows where I'd be like, take some time. Like, let's uh, let's simmer in these juices. And like Perry Mason, I'm just like, let something fucking happen. I beg <laughs> you. Um, yeah, All right. And then we're, we're moving on to Fool for Love as 5E7. And I once again have five moments. This is November Sweeps episode. I have eight. All right, you can back take on it top, away. baby. Uh, number eight, just whatever poor Angelus is going through in those flashbacks, he is having a tough time. Also, if you recall, there is a companion episode to this. I watched where it. we. Oh, you did. Okay, I did not watch it this time, but I know there is one where we see you like, were a couple of the Johnny flashbacks guy. from you were Johnny Research Guy last time. So I uh-huh. watched the Angel episode. Uh-huh. Uh, only about half of it really uh, affects. Um, well, the it's a, episode, there's a couple scenes where we see like from like another point of view, basically flashback scenes. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the flashbacks in the angel episode, which is called Darla is really to do with like the aftermath of him losing uh, or gaining his soul. Um, so like the Calderas tribe to the boxer rebellion. Um, so some of these scenes of angel beforehand are Angelus. Um, and he's just, you know, not enjoying having a, other male attention in the room sure what's what's the cock in the hen house i don't know animals um more than one cock in the hen house something like that right i I don't know 
Yeah, just when you I, have I don't know if that's actually a problem or not. When you go angel, use those cops. Um, number seven, uh, after Spike has killed the Chinese Slayer, and Spike and Drusilla decide to have a dirty smash to celebrate. Um, Slayer Blood is apparently a powerful aphrodisiac, so we're going to get some blood play, we're going to get some fire play, just some real historical kink here. Um, number six, Buffy researching the last battles of previous Slayer, and she's like frustrated why the Watchers won't keep better records of these moments. And Giles is like, well, I suppose if they're anything like me, they just find the whole subject too. And she's like, unseemly? Damn, love you. But the Watchers are such prigs sometimes. And he's like, painful, I was going to say. And they share this meaningful look. Yeah, that was my number five, was uh, that moment there between Giles and Buffy. They always have good scenes together. Mm-hmm. Um, my number five is the segue from Buffy saying, were you born this big of a pain in the ass? And Spike's like, what can I tell you, baby? I've always been bad. And then we cut to William the Bloody Bad Poet. Your beauty effulgent. Oh, William. Uh, my number four uh, at the end when Spike's got a shotgun and he's going to kill Buffy and then he sees her crying and she looks up and she's like, what do you want? And he kind of softens. And he's like, oh, what's wrong? It's uh, maybe a little too much humanity in uh, William or in Spike. A little too much William left in him there. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. I think being a bad vampire might make you a, somewhat of a good man. I don't know. Um, number four is... After Spike has told her that all vampires just want one good day, um, and to prove to her that she's still human in the the bronze there, he pokes her wound just like yes. she did the right last season, and she cries out in pain, and he howls in pain from his chip, and everyone just like stops and looks at the, at the bronze and then stops and looks at them. And I love are these like, dorks. what the fuck is this couple doing? <laughs> I love these dorks. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? Number three. Yeah. What can I tell you, baby? I've always been bad, as you've already covered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my number three is Spike relaying how the final fight of Mickey Wood went down and the telling of the tale blends in the actual flashbacks we see how we got the coat we're starting to realize that this is how Spike flirts uh, when he's not negging her he's like trying to tell her she has a death wish or she, he wants her to fight him and she has some kind of the, the dance and then finally she pushes him down saying it'll never happen because you're beneath me which, you know, Angel had his close your eyes and uh, Spike will always have uh, from beneath you it devours. Yeah, my number two is when Spike's gotten all up in her face and like kind of make a move like he's about to kiss her because mm-hmm. he's told her she has a death wish. And Buffy says, say it's true. Say I do want to. It wouldn't be you, Spike. It would never be you. You're beneath me and just like throws the money at him. Which will then pick up and start crying. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, immediately flashed to anger. It just made me think of the, uh, <laughs> I think it's the the Diwali episode of The Office where uh, Michael Scott's proposed to Carol <laughs> and, like, uh, Pam is feeling bad because Jim's gone. And so while talking about it, like, Michael Scott just, like, tries to lean in to kiss Pam. And she's like, what are you doing? I don't remember that. Uh, it's okay. Um, to... Uh, Spike storming out of the fight with Harmony and right into the flashback with Drusilla about the Slayer. And he's like, caught Drusilla cheating on him with the Chaos Demon. I love this scene. There's something I knew real you'd and emotional here. The Chaos Demon. Yeah, well, of course. Um, there's something real and emotional here. But also, once you see the look of the Chaos Demon of his like reindeer antlers that are like, dripping pus, that guy's just gross. I feel <laughs> like they, they'd like written a check that they had to cash 
where they like describe the chaos demon as all slime and antlers. And so they're like, okay, I guess we have to make a chaos demon that's well, it's like, antlers what's the and slime. Funniest way, yeah, the funniest way to do it, yeah. Um, it's like he's got this suit where like the spuds is just like dripping onto the shoulders, like ruining the suit. It's real gross. And then he's just like makes a little like call me gesture to Drusilla as he leaves her to her fight. <laughs> okay, obviously you guys have a thing. Hey, hey man, I didn't know she was seeing anybody. <laughs> I- I'm gonna go call me. Uh, like they're not even like Drusilla's not even addressing that guy at all. <laughs> yeah, she could care less. Uh, where are we at? Number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the fight between Nikki Wood and uh, Spike flashing between that and uh, him telling the story to Buffy there. Like the choreography is really good. Like the way it's cutting between past and present, like like with these match cuts to different, uh, you know, fight choreographies they're doing. I know I think that's the choreography in general seems better. It seems like the actors are doing more of it. Like there's one scene where like Sir Michelle Geller kind of like ducks three of his punches in a row. And it's like, that's actually definitely her doing it. You know, like it feels like they made a little more effort to, you know, not just use the stunt doubles or anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's all just like super effective um, and kind of the big fight culminating with the, every slayer has a death wish, even you. Yeah. Which we find out later that, cause this guy kind of contradicted his story earlier or somebody's story earlier. And we find out later that like, obviously the kind of fantastical nature of him like narrating to Buffy from within the flashback is like not the actual end of Nikki Wood. There is like a little more, yeah, sure. Yeah. She she begs for her life and says that she wants to go home to her son. Yeah. Um, which I mean, man, modern times that episode airs, you would be like you'd hear like HBO Max is doing a Nikki Wood prequel show. I mean, both the slayers I show off here are like like I'd watch that show for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like some I, sort of like crouching tiger, hidden dragon type, you know, like uh, Chinese slayer. Like that would just be fucking awesome. Or like, like look, 80s punk scene, New York, Nikki yeah. Wood. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but I'll give it, you know, 10 episodes. I mean, I think you, you want to, you know, your first season's just a 10 episode or anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to push yourselves too hard. Uh, number one for me, of course, for me is the ending. Um, Buffy retreats out of the house on the back steps of the porch, props what's going on for mom, like breaks down into tears. And he just like shows up with that shotgun intent on killing her. And in the moment he sees her in pain, he softens. Um, and he just like sits there with her. And so she's not alone. I mean, like you can read, I think her reaction in a lot of ways um, to like disgust, to shock, like why the fuck is this guy sitting next to me? I don't know if there's any part of her that's relieved to not be alone. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, this ending hit me like a ton of bricks when it was first airing back in 2001. Yeah, yeah, this was um, pretty... I mean, it's probably more effective if we'd watch more of the other episodes, just kind of Buffy's building angst over her mother and whatnot. But yeah, to see her break down like that and then like Spike has that human moment, it's all very, very excellently done. I mean, I think you can see where I became a Spuffy person. Like, it's not yeah. insane. Um yeah, so moving to the episode. Apparently, Doug Petrie had to write the script in four days. Really? Interesting. And when he turned it in, the original title was Love's Bitch. Okay, that makes sense. Which, you know, the title fits Spike, but I feel like for how it ends, I don't know. I don't know if it's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's a good title to go with, like, considering, like, where they're hoping this will go. Um, 
but yeah, we've got our big spike episode here after his realization that he's Goo Goo Gaga for Buffy. Um, and she's wanting to know where she comes from as a slayer. So we start off with her fighting a vampire in the cemetery, like really taking this guy who looks like evil Ernie to task for how bad he smells and his personal grooming. Um, which is weird just coming out of having watched Restless. And it's like, is this Buffy's thing? Um, this guy's got like his own old school 1970s New York punk look happening. Yeah, I, they don't really explain why he's dressed like this, which I guess you don't need to, but it's certainly a look. I mean, this guy's got a gallon of product in his hair. Well, it's like, did he time travel? Yeah. I mean, this guy, like, he's not like, oh, sun setting. Everyone, all my crew is going out hunting. This guy's like, I'll join you in three hours. I got to tame this mane here. Seriously. Um, and apparently smell terrible while I'm at it because yeah. I live in a tomb. And then, of course, but, while while they're fighting, he, he kind of just does like a little move on Buffy as she's trying to stake him and like kind of flips her hand around and guides that stake right into her gut. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's in there a few inches, too. Yeah, that um, like it didn't like go straight through, you know, no. not that deep. But yeah, that's like a couple inches at least. Well, later on, when they're like hand wavy, like at least it missed every major organ. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> that is in your intestines. It, it looked a little too close to center for that. Yeah, it wasn't like as much on the side as you'd think it would need to be. Yeah, like that is that is like that is in your places. That is yeah. that's messing things up. Um, you're getting what is it? Sepsis? Whatever the thing is from Three Kings. I think yeah, I think that's sepsis. Um, yeah, so she tries to get away, but she's weak. This dude might kill her, but then fucking Riley. Uh, I hate, I hate her. that it was Riley who showed up to save her. Like, it couldn't have been Willow or Xander or anyone else. Uh, fuck Riley. Yeah, I mean, are they, like... Because, you know, it's just like Riley, like, went home and jerked off to that afterwards. He's like, that's all he wants to do is be the big manly man who, you know, can show up Buffy by being able to protect her. <sighs> fucking Riley. I just want Chris Evans to be like, son, don't. Um, yeah, like tases this dude. Even when he gets away, Buffy passes out. The next morning, like Riley's like patching her up on her bed in her room. I mean, how long was she out? How long did this take? The sun is up. There's um, like a couple bloody bandages, like or like bloody cotton balls. It kind of looks like like on a some gauze, but you would think there'd be a lot more blood. You would think that this room would look like the hotel from The Shining. Yeah. Um. But also hand wavy Buffy's like, oh, thankfully I got this boyfriend of combat medical experience, whatever. Um, yeah, so Riley's sure. like stunned. This like regular vampire busted Buffy. Um, this is when Dawn comes rushing in. They warn him that Joyce is coming, and like Joyce is in kind of a haze. I feel like I'd rather have Giles stitch me up personally. Like I feel like Giles would uh, like put gloves on. Describe Giles stitching you up in slow detail. Well, first he'd put gloves on Riley Finn. Yeah. He'd uh, sanitize his hands. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he'd also afterwards he'd like take his glasses off and like clean them. Yeah. At some point, uh, Giles would use uh, like hemostats to like pull out a bullet and drop it in one of those metal trays, even though yeah. you weren't shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just watched, like I said last week. I went rewatched Ronan. So afterwards, Buffy's just like, if you don't mind, I'm gonna pass out now. <laughs> um, I always remembered in Ronan for some reason I remembered him taking the bullet out himself. I don't know why. Um. Anyway, so Don comes rushing in the war, and then like you know Joyce is coming, and Joyce is like in this haze, and so Riley, like I will say, like he's kind of coolly and casually putting away the medical supplies, except for the massive thing of disinfectant. 
which Dawn jumps on the grenade there and covers up as though it's a nail polish accident. Dawn is like the cool friend or the little sister who's like, oh no, it was me. It was just nail polish, you know, adventures or whatever. <laughs> Never mind all that bloody gauze in the corner. Yeah. Uh, but Joyce is just like, let's talk about the grocery list later. So um, that's a fun conversation. Let's talk about that grocery list. Yeah. We need more almond milk. Um, we need more almond milk. So Don's going to handle the household chores. Riley's decided uh, Riley will patrol and Buffy's just going to, or Buffy's like, hey, take the gang with you, um, even though they will prove useless. Yeah, I mean, some of that's just for comedic effect, I guess. I, I, I don't know if they're willfully being stupid or just like fucking with Riley. I don't know. So we get, we cut to night in the graveyard. Like Riley's like doing like military stealthy shit. Uh, Willow and Xander and Anya are just like obnoxiously hanging out and like loudly crunching and munching on chips. Riley's like doing like the the hand gesture, and Willow's just like, "Oh, I think it means choo choo." <laughs> <laughs> Which like it's funny. I feel like they know better. I don't know. Maybe they're just like like taking the piss out of him or something. I think Riley would be cooler if it did mean choo choo. <laughs> yeah. All right, this one means all aboard. I mean, I always figured the point of patrolling is like you're not trying to be stealthy. You're like vampires are out; they're going to attack, so you're just gonna walk around. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't ever seem like Buffy's like slinking around from tombstone to tombstone or anything like that. She just like goes for a walk. I mean, that's kind of the scam of the whole vampire gang is like the the vampire who's like maybe I'm the one who will kill the Slayer. I guess it's you know all the demons that inhabit these people are stupid yeah i also it just it always bothers me that like angel's got a soul so therefore he knows how to like sign a lease and get an apartment did he it seemed like he was squatting maybe whatever but he's got a lot of decorations i'll say that but everyone else is just like no this uh this crypt here this is fine well it's a question of why do some vampires seem like they just kind of suck yeah or like they're hobos. It's like the, the demon that possesses you is he's like a real bum demon. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in hygiene anymore. Yeah. Um so meanwhile, Buffy's in the magic shop with Giles, like looking at a shit ton of books. Uh they've read a lot about Slayers. This is when Buffy's like frustrated that there's no details about the last battles. Um, which is also a great point. I mean, and we, we hit the emotional thing about like Giles and like his bond, like his fatherly bond of Buffy, but also the fuck have the Watchers Council been doing for hundreds of years? Just paddling each other. And, like, worming their way into bureaucracy, apparently, while they're in the checkpoint. Yeah. Does somebody say, toga party? Um, yeah, Buffy does, like, you know, she gets frustrated with all this. Um, so they share that meaningful look. And Giles says something about how there's, like, really no one left to tell the tale afterwards. So Buffy realizes that she does know somebody who's killed two slayers. It's Willie and the Bloody. So we, we cut to Spike as Buffy's, like, slamming him up against the wall of his crypt, which is, like... Uh, a literal act that will become a metaphorical act in season six. <laughs> I mean, they really start to go there with Buffy and Spike and their kind of uh, kinky sexual violence. Yes. yes. Um, so she reminds him, you know, him and us that she's like, Slayers, you killed two of them and you're going to show me how, which sounds like a date to me. Um, so after commercial, speaking of which, they go to the bronze. She's buying him beers. She wants the tail. Then she'll give him a bunch of cash. Where is she getting all this cash from? Yeah, I was wondering about that because she doesn't have a job. I mean, I don't know. Maybe just Joyce is giving her some. Like, she's never mentioned, like, having, like, a work study or anything. 
I can't imagine it's I should just like go into the magic box, like taking it out of the cash register. It's petty cash, yeah. Cha-ching, William the Bloody Slush Fund. I mean, because like she's paid him off, let's say, five times by this point in season five. And she throws, there's at least $150 in what she throws him. Probably more. Yeah. I didn't count that closely, but I saw at least 100 and 150 yeah yeah oh i like i like this like kind of like paul krugman thing like let's uh let's analyze how much money is she flinging at him like um, where's it coming from yeah is he just blowing it all on like booze and wings well like where does buffy get her wardrobe from she's buying i mean is joyce just paying for it all i guess yeah i mean we don't i don't think we ever find out what joyce's job is she works at the art gallery okay okay I like the idea that, you know, it's a TV show, so you never show the character wearing the same outfit twice, but also it's like every Buffy outfit is ruined after a night of patrolling. Yeah. And <laughs> Buffy has like lots of like leather pants. Yeah. And like what would seem to be at least somewhat expensive, like halter tops and weird dresses and whatnot. Yeah. Things that I don't know how to fold. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the Slayers was in the Boxer Rebellion in China, 1900, the other in New York. So, you know, you know, Spike's feeling peckish. What's a plate of spicy buffalo wings? So she tries to get the waitress's attention. This is when he sees that she's like nursing a wound in her like gut. Um, and this is the, uh, were you always born this big of a pain in the ass? What can I tell you, baby? I've always been bad. Yeah, what's a better word for gleaming? The father is it doesn't rhyme, which I don't know. I feel like it kind of rhymes. I, I mean, I can think of like three or four off the top of my head. That's better than effulgent. Uh-huh. Um, so there's Cecily, which Cecily. I mean, I never like Cecily slash Halifrak. I feel like there's a possibility that she's already Halifrak at this point. Like Cecily's the cover. Maybe I don't know. I just remember I never liked Halifrak. She always bothered me. Am I it's, alone in that? I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I don't she like. Feels, I don't just, she feels like the like your girlfriend's friend who you just don't like. That's who Halifrak feels like. But I mean, isn't that isn't that a good thing? Especially considering, like, shouldn't Anya have a friend who's just like Xander's a deadbeat? Sure, but are you going to marry him? Um, yeah. So I don't know. That? Xander at this point isn't a deadbeat, right? He's got a real job. He's only twenty. True. It's true. He's presumably he's affording that place. Yeah, and you know he's not getting money from his parents. I mean, really, though, I don't know. It, this all seemed a little bit contrived the way they broke up Xander and uh, Anya. It was just like a demon came and showed him like a fake future to freak him out or something like that. Yeah, uh, Hell's Bells is kind of a a, a, a shit know, show a blur to me. Yeah, like a blurry shit show to me. Like I know, like Spike shows up with like a really trashy date. Yeah, I only watched it the once. I just remember not liking it and being like, "This is stupid." Yeah, and then at, at the end of that one, she's when she goes back to. Uh, what's his name? A, right? Yeah, the Hoffer. Hoffer. So yeah, there's Cecily. William joins this group of uh this is like a Victorian 1880, 1888, 1888. Um, I think it's 1880. Yeah, William joins this group of like other fine Victorian gentlemen who are discussing these grisly vampire murders. He's got big do- doofusy hair, yeah. Uh this one guy, Thomas Wexler, takes William's poetry and reads it aloud into I know he looks like one of those weird paintings of babies. Like he looks yeah. like a cherub. Yeah. Um, he's essentially dragging him just by reading his work. And the one chick's just like, they call him William the Bloody because of his bloody, awful poetry. And then Wexler's like, it suits him. I'd rather have a railroad spike driven through my head. Ha ha ha. Ho ho ho. Everybody got that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe 
the last episode of Angel, Spike goes an open mic night and reads the full version of the yeah. poem and gets applause. Yeah. It's like his little circles complete moment. Yeah. Um, um, I do like he had the nice moment with Cecily here where he's just like, I know I'm a bad poet, but I'm a good man. It's a very 1880s version of I'm a nice guy. Well, he's he's in his own little Victorian 500 Days of Summer over here. Yeah. Um, but he's just like, oh, don't mind them. They're vulgarians. And she's just like, oh, my God, those are about me, aren't they? This is how mortifying. Oh, it's so hilarious, too, because they are in two different conversations. Your poetry, it's they're not written about me, are they? And he's like, well, they're about how I feel. And she's like, yes, but are they about me? And he's like, every syllable. And she's like, oh, God. Which, like, Cecily, like, you know, cut it off quickly. The right move for sure. But, like, you're beneath me. Maybe a little bit harsh. Way too harsh, Ty. Ooh, I do see you. That's the problem. You're nothing to me. Ooh, you're beneath me. Yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, that's not going to give him issues for the next 120 years. <laughs> he's like, I already had the mommy issues. I didn't need this too. <laughs> and then when he's like running outside on this cobblestone street, as all these like fancy people in like top hats are walking by, he's tearing up his poem and he bumps into some big tall guy with brown hair that we don't see. That's Angel. Who will like get the other half of that in the Angels episode? Watch where you're going. Yeah, yeah is he like this? Like Angels just kind of like hunched over with his two ladies, um, and then like he goes into like a like a barn or something. So in the Angel episode, it's like an um, alleyway, I think. In the Angel episode, the conversation right before that is Drusilla's lonely. She wants her own boy toy because she's tired of watching like Angel and Darla bang, and she's, she's just like, been watching them the whole time. Well, I'm sure Angel brings her in occasionally yeah there's there's at least some uh sometimes they throw the ball to her yeah 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 i mean i mean sometimes he's not even involved at all and he's just watching i think we've learned that um but so she wants to turn somebody to she's like i could have the finest night in all the land and they bump in the spike and darla's like or you could just take the first drooling idiot that you bump into lol which she'll do so drusilla follows william picks him up she's like i see you and he's like, that's quite close enough. I've heard tales of London pickpockets. <laughs> You'll not be getting in my purse. Yeah. Uh, so she tells him she's not after her money. Like his strength lies in his creativity and imagination. And he's never been more aroused. And then she says, I see what you want. Something glowing and glistening. Something effulgent. And he's like sploosh. Well, even when she starts, like she, she vamps out in front of him. And he just kind of like stares at her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like immediately recoil. And then she starts biting him and he's just like, ow, 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 ow. Mm-hmm. But then he just kind of takes it. Like, it's like he was just waiting to die pretty much. Yeah. I mean, clearly the weirdest Victorian boner of all time. Um, yeah. So this is when they had to like retcon a little bit because in School Hard, Spike had mentioned that Angel was his sire. And they had to come back with like the whole lineage thing. Yeah, sure, sure. Like Angel's his grandsire or whatever. <laughs> okay. The this, this uh, scene with the, the Scoobies and Riley here in the graveyard, Anya's like wearing this scarf that like, I guess like it kept slipping or something because she's constantly throwing it over her shoulder in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> like she does like three times. Dramatic effect. Um, yeah. So inside the crypt where he's chilling, Evil Ernie's just like retelling the story of stabbing the Slayer. And Riley says to the Scoobies, there's too many of them. They can come back and kill them in the morning. But like Riley won't come back in the morning. He'll no, because he's later. just a fucking idiot. That's why. He's not like getting like sucked off by vampires at this point, though, right? He hasn't become a fangbanger yet. Now I think okay. it's a couple more episodes. Although 
I think it's in Family, the one before this, where he's like goes to like a vampire bar and like is like getting propositioned by like a vampire hooker or something. Cool. Yeah. And we're like supposed to be impressed because he knows she's a vampire. I don't know. It's dumb. <laughs> she, she didn't even ask him to pay. Um, at the bronze, Spike is like playing pool while Buffy watches. He's apparently just told her the story of Drusilla siring him. Um, <laughs> I can imagine the colorful language by which he's described it. Yeah, there we another flashback time where Angel. Oh, so, oh say hold on. So he's like he's telling her like this is the primal thing like don't play this off like this is my like uh uh my freedom like I I was no longer playing by society's rules. So he's like, but I needed a gang. <laughs> <laughs> and then cut to Angel like choking out Spike with uh, Drew and Darla behind him. And, Angel's very unhappy. They're in Yorkshire, 1880. And uh, Spike, who's going by Spike now, not yeah. uh, William Bloody anymore, is Bad. basically just like, I don't know, just like this holy terror. You know, he's like, he's too crazy even for Angel. I like mm-hmm. how he calls Angel out. You know, Angel's just like, no, a good kill, a clean kill. You know? <laughs> You've got me and my women living in a white mine shaft. Yeah, like uh, he's also talking like Spike now. And so yeah. Angel's just like, when did you start talking like this? um also i feel like long-haired angelus is played a little different than short-haired more modern angelus for sure is it just the hair i don't know it's like he's he's like less i don't know he's more patriarchal yeah he's more patriarchal he's less spiky he's less less manic he's less i don't know um hard to nail down well especially with spike around and spike's the wild one so angel's like kind of like the stuffy one yeah so, you know, Angela suggests that they need to employ more finesse, and Spike's like, bollocks! That's what the frilly collars and cuffs crowd. Um, Drusilla's full-on bananas here already. Um, Spike says that he likes, like, a, like fights that are a challenge, and Angela's, like, takes the more classical psychopath route to playing of his food. And then yeah, we get a... just like, when's the last time you've had your back to the wall and all that, you know? We get a 19th century gay comment from Spike. Um, which is funny because they will then have a fight that leads to some form of potential penetration. I mean, there's a lot of like emotional. These two here. definitely fucked. I mean, oh, come on. Sure. Like I said, this is emotional frottage right here alone. Yeah. Um, and the angel's just like, no, a real kill, a good kill. It takes pure artistry. Without that, we're just animals. Some psycho shit. <laughs> um, so I just like, if I can't teach angels them, become someday, quite pretentious. Yeah. If I can't teach them, maybe someday an angry crowd will that or a slayer. He's like, what's a Slayer? And of course, once he once he hears about the existence of a Slayer, he's obsessed. He's telling Buffy. Yeah. So he said, I never hit. I sought him out. There's death. There's glory. And sought all else, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he'll spend 20 years hunting <laughs> for Slayers. So we get um, his, his lessons here. Lesson the first. The Slayer must always reach for her weapon. I've already got mine. He like vamps out in full public there. And like he like grabs her hand to stop her from grabbing her pool cue. So um, as he goes back to playing pool, like we segue into like the fight of the Chinese Slayer. This is China 1900s during the Boxer Rebellion. Uh, just a reminder: the group was called boxers by the English speakers because they performed martial arts, which was known in the Western world as boxing. Chinese boxing. Oh <laughs> uh, fuck these people! Um, but Pretty I like cool the Chinese. Fight. Yeah, the, I like the Chinese Slayer steak. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's cool looking. And uh, she's got, like, a whole sword and everything. Like, pretty cool fight between, like, martial artists versus just, like, street brawler. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, like, stumbling around the whole time where she's, like, doing, like, flashy moves. 
I mean, the upper hand that he gains because she's about to kill him seemingly is like like he gets explosion. Lucky. The explosion blows in part of the window and distracts her. Yeah, he gets lucky. She's about to stake him, and then like something like blows in the window. Yeah, and she's like, "Tell my mother I'm sorry." He's like, "Sorry, love. I don't speak Chinese." Oh, and this is where he uh, he gets his eye cut. This will be like be like how he got his scar on his eye. Yeah, I think in reality James Marshall got mugged in New York once. Nice. So after the commercial, Drusilla wanders in, sees that she's killed a Slayer, um, and he's just like, "Look at all this blood. Let's get dirty." Um, I'm surprised they don't literally start doing it on top of the body. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they do that in True Blood in the remains of the King of Mississippi? I think so. Lover, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, like they are just smashing. Oh, that show blood. is so gross. Yeah, <laughs> the way like you know, on this show they just dust and disappear. Which, by the way, they updated the effects on that this season. They oh, look yeah. a little better now. But yeah, on True Blood, they just turn into just absolutely disgusting piles of like blood and like it's like just weird stringy meaty material yeah it looks like um like small intestines like placenta kind of yeah um what a disgusting show i love it (laughs) the thing that always gets me is you know once they start having them cry blood and then they're like oh it's because uh you know vampires but that's the only like fluid we have in us and i was like yeah wait a minute he's been Uh this whole time yeah (laughs) yeah oh um so Spike and Drew run into Andrus and Darla after. Um, Drusilla's glowing and like boasts that Spike killed the Slayer. Everyone looks at Andrus like, ooh. <laughs> and he's smiling. Also, <laughs> detail here. Yeah. He is not Angelus right now. He is no. Angel. That's right. He's got he a soul had, back. He has a soul. Darla knows it, but and like there's a whole like other, I, I think it was in one of the Faith episodes on Angel where we get that scene where she first finds out he has a soul and she's like disgusted with him. No, it's it's in Darla. It's the uh, the other part of the crossover. No, no, no. There was another scene in the Faith episode. Oh, from is the season before, yeah. Where like she finds out that he has a soul and she like throws him out. And I guess they just like circle back to it again or something and like, I don't know, do it a little bit differently. Oh, yeah, because it's in the Darla episode is that he's he's been gone for two years because um, right as she was about to have the Calderas tribe like reverse the curse... Spike comes out of the trailer where he's just eaten the right, family right. that's her leverage and like belches them up. And she's like, well, fuck. And then like two years later, Angel or Angelus Angel shows up and um she's like, All right, you know, if you can hang, you can hang. If not, you know, fuck you. And this is what he proves. Cause he's like trying to protect a family down the alleyway here, which later on she'll go back and eat this family just to stick it to him. Yeah, when when Drusilla says she smells fear. It, there's like a family in the, nearby that he's trying to lead them away from. Yeah, if he doesn't like eat this baby that she's brought back, like he's out of the gang. But yeah, he's like swallowing bile as he says, "Oh, congrats! I guess that makes you one of us." And it's like, dude, you've been hanging and banging with this guy for twenty fucking years. Now he's one of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're vampires. They got a lot of time on their hands. That's still a lot of time to spend with somebody you fucking hate. I did almost put this uh, slow mo shot on my top moments of I know. they're like yeah. walking away. This it, in the Angel episode, it focuses on Angel, and this one, it's focused on Spike with the fire behind him, and he like kind of like jumps up on top of this like barrel and like hops over it in slow mo. It's Spike is fully Spike now. He's he's in his most uh, evil self. As he says, it's the best night of his life. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Angel one. It's like it focuses on him, but also it focuses on Drew, or, uh, Darla watching him and knowing that he's faking. Uh-huh. Um, and I think this kind of came out of like, if I remember correctly, wasn't there like some vague plans for like the end of season two where they wanted to just like go to Ireland and like film a bunch of flashback 
for like the finale. I do not recall that, but I yeah, it's like something like they just wanted to like have them be like like Angel, Spike, Drusilla, Darla centric finales. Anyway, uh, and just like his cover is like this whole rebellion's boring me. Let's get out of here. Um, so slow mo walk, Angel episode, blah blah blah. Uh, the Boxer Rebellion scenes were, were directed by Tim Minear because he directed the Angel episode. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it's the bronze. You know, Spike said this is the best night of my life. Buffy's disgusted. She's like, you got off on it. And he's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a vampire. <laughs> well, he, he kind of throws it back like, you get off on it too. Like, don't don't front. And he gives this whole speech, you know, we just keep coming in 100,000, 1,000, 1,000. And the armies of hell besides, and all we need is just one of us, just one, to have the thing we're ho- all hoping for. She's thinking, what would that be? And he's like, one good day. She yeah. shoves him. This is when uh, they start like half fighting in the middle of the bronze. And he's like poking her and yelling. And people are like, what the fuck are up with these people? I mean, it's this or it's them shoving pie in each other's faces. Um, yeah. So he's got more teachers. So he leads her out of the bronze. He's like taking the uh, pool cue with him. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, Riley, Riley the fucking jackass here. He shows up to this vampire nest in a crypt. He like stakes the one dude. Way too easily, in my opinion. And then uh, just, like, drops a grenade and runs away. Well, because Evil Ernie is just like, we ought to put this in a museum. And Riley's like, you know what they put in museums? Mostly dead things. Burn. I, like, this should be cooler or more badass. I should feel something, and I don't. I don't. It just feels insulting to me. Everything about Riley insults me. Yeah. So outside the bronze, you know, Spike has that stone pool cue, and he and Buffy spar a little bit, both physically and verbally. (laughs) It's just like I'm taking this pool cue with me. Like yeah. Gambit. <laughs> so she's ready to hear how he killed the second Slayer. So he kind of shows her. And we're going to cut back and forth with like Spike telling the tale, and like mock acting it out with her. This is and a this cool is, fight. This is like our most punk rock Spike ever. I mean, oh, like yeah, the, it's super funky. Like the safety pins. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I want to say that like they only had like the subway car thing for like a short time. And it was like, like the whole thing where like he's like talking to Buffy from the flashback. They were like, we really hope this works. Yeah. <laughs> so it's New York, nineteen seventy-seven. Um, yeah, at one point, like Mickey, Nikki smashes his face out of window, and he just like screams at, like the rushing like uh, tunnel, just like in in delight at everything. Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, living for being undead. Yeah. So this is at least their second fight. I think we see the previous fight in a flashback in season seven. Oh yeah, they they had to add that in later because they wanted a a way for Wood to know what happened there. Yeah. Um, so at one point Spike like knocks out one of the poles and uses it as a weapon in the subway. He's telling Buffy, you know, it's it's the dance, which is, you know, both like like sexual and not. Um, you know, he's sure that she has a deaf wish. At one point, like Nikki ends up on top of Spike and then the lights go out when they come back on, he's on top of her now. Um and he's like talking up Well it's to like Buffy. the way it happens. It's like he's she's got the upper hand on him and then like the lights flash and suddenly he's on top, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's like talking to, up to Buffy um, from that position in the flashback, you know, telling her that every Slayer is a death wish. He snaps Nikki's neck and he's like, even you. Um, so he pulls the emergency stop, uh, goes back and pulls the leather jacket off of her lifeless body and claims it his own. And this it's is like, that's how he got the leather jacket. Which... I like that detail because it's not like it, it's not like the Han Solo, like, and that's how he got his blaster type of thing. You know, it's just kind of like a, a little kind of subtle thing that happens you're like oh okay interesting that's where you got the thing well it's also not it wasn't like, like something you're like oh i wonder how he got that jacket you know yeah also it's not like he went off in episode one and did a job 
came back and got paid and then went to the blacksmith underground and was like, build me some new Mandalorian armor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I've got new Mandalorian armor next. Um, yeah. So he, he points out that the only reason Buffy's lasts as long as she has, is because she has ties to the world. She's got a mom and a brat kid sister and the Scoobies. Um, but he tells her the moment that she slips up and wants it, he'll slip in and I'll have myself a real good day. <laughs> And this is all flirting of him. You know, here end of the lesson. He's a little pretentious. He's like got some oats. And this is when he, he goes in for the kiss and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. It's like, seriously, you thought, you thought this was what was going on. It's not. Yeah. And then this is the, you know, say, say it do say it's true. It wouldn't be you spike. It would never be you. You're beneath me. And she pushes him down and flings the cash. Um, and then he yeah. cries. Yeah. He's humiliated. He's ashamed. It leads to anger. Uh, I don't know how she affords to pay him this money. Um, so he goes back to his crib, opens up a chest, pulls out a shotgun that he has, and Harmony's like, what? Um, I like Harmony just being like, okay, we all know how this goes. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like his kind of like, like you're going to get here. your ass kicked. He's just like, beneath me, I'll put her six bloody feet beneath me. But she hasn't got a death wish. She won't need one. Um, yeah, Harmony's also like, extremely telegraphing that she is the battered partner here. Like, I want to be supportive. Please don't hit me again. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way they've played their whole relationship. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't work if you're trying to make spike a more, I don't know, uh, like likable character, you know, like if you're trying to make him a potential love interest i i don't think it works at all like like the stuff that he's been doing with harmony if, if he was just like going to be the villain of the season or something mm-hmm. that, that's one thing because it's like oh he's a bad guy he wanted to get his but like he's just like way this and in season four he like their relationship's like pretty gross well it's it's the show is like don't look too closely at that look at this over here which to me yeah. is saying he just needed buffy to make him a good man which is not Good. That's not how it works. Yeah, that's yeah, not great. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to meet a new person and have them be like, "Oh, I've beat all my previous exes, but with but you, I won't be different." You, yeah, because yeah, you're special. Um, yeah. So Harmony points out he can't kill Buffy. That you know, the Buffy will kick his ass and maybe even kill him, and the ship will go off. And he's like, "Sure, it'll hurt like hell for about two hours, but she'll be dead a little bit longer than that." Then we get the chaos demon flashback here where Drusilla is just like Buffy surrounds you. She's all over you, you know, not yeah. into this anymore, basically. So basically he's been at least like subconsciously obsessed with Buffy since season two. So he argues. Yeah. I mean, he, he like really since they teamed up uh, or at least, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting how you can read a lot of ways. Like it's, it would obviously be the thing, the wedge between him and Drew. Even if he wasn't, I think obsessed with Buffy, right? Because like, yeah, she he betrayed her for Buffy, and she's like, "I have to find my pleasure, Spike. You taste like ashes." Well, and c- considering that she's like quasi psychic, she's going to be picking up on that even yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Um, Drusso says all that she sees when she looks at him is the Slayer. Um, so Buffy comes home. She has finally finished that grocery list. Thank God, that that plot resolved. Um, her mom is packing a bag. Turns out that nothing might actually be something and that she's going to have a CAT scan at the hospital and stay overnight for observation. Um, yeah. And Joyce is like, like, it's like she's packing and asking for like where like her conditioner is without even saying at first, like what she's up to. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, I guess I have to tell you. 
packing quite a bag too. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I'm, I'll be fine. But he's like, I'm, I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need was, conditioner for an overnight stay? I don't know. Do you want to use the hospital shower? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I just like come home, you know, <laughs> like I'll shower when I get home. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's like just overnight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, do you need to be observed after a CAT scan? I, I assume there's other stuff they're doing as well. You know, like mm. maybe hooking her up to some stuff overnight. So she goes out in the back porch and on the step and just it hits her. You know, she starts breaking down and crying. And this is when he like comes in for the foliage in the back, approaching her with the shotgun and loses that resolve to kill her. And she looks up at him and she, like he sees those tears and he softens. And she's like, what do you want now? And he's just like, what's wrong? And she doesn't want to talk about it. So he's just like, is there something I can do? And she's not really sure what's going on because she has a lot of things in her mind. And he just kind of like tentatively like pats her shoulder and sits with her and they stare out to the night. And that's where we leave it. Yeah, I I like he patted her on the shoulder a little bit, but then he just kind of like, you know, put his hands, you know, back in his lap there. It wasn't like, like it's going to turn like a hug situation. Like we're not there yet between the two of them. No, 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 no. But since he'll be right back to nagging her super quick. Uh. Just for fun, I occasionally will look at the wiki to see like different countries translated episode titles. This one has the most variation in episode titles. Really? Uh, so I'm not going to list all the languages, but the way they translate is some are the foolishness of love time, madly uh-huh. in love, soften the head, the flaw, a lesson for life, love, stupefy. Crazy with love, sick love, crazy in love, crazy for love, stupidity during love, loves that kill, and love cravings. Wow. All right. Yeah, there you go. All right. And that was Fool for Love. Definitely the best of the three, for sure. I mean, yeah. that's one of the classics of this season. It's, it's almost surprising that it's not a Joss episode, because you'd think, like, there's so yeah. much, like, backstory happening that it would be, like he would want it. But, yeah. Joss is too busy throwing James Marshers against walls and telling him he'll never be a love interest. Never. Yeah. I guess I was in like season two or something. I think. Uh, uh, like, anyway. okay. So good news, buddy. We decided not to kill you off after your fourth episode. Bad news. Throws him against a wall. Yeah. All right. And next we're going to talk about S5 E12 checkpoint. As always, I have five moments. This is Douglas Petrie. And finally, Jane Espenson, and I feel like I want to join you, so I have five as well. Let's do it. What do you got? Uh, begin with just Quentin Travers just crapping all over Giles at his job at the beginning, <laughs> just like just talking shit and like just like one of his dudes is just like the magic box is closed now or it has to leave. Like they're so rude. Yeah. Uh, well, number five is just this exchange. Anya Christina Emmanuel Jenkins, 20 years old, born on the 4th of July. And don't think there weren't jokes about that my whole life, mister, because there were. Who's our little patriot, they'd say, when I was younger and therefore smaller and shorter than I am now. <laughs> There's apparently a deleted scene where she goes off to talk about her pets, where she had a dachshund who, oddly enough, choked on a uh, wiener. Nice. Uh, my number four, also Anya related. In the middle of... Uh... Buffy's big speech when Buffy mentions a <laughs> thousand-year-old demon and Ani goes, Willow's a demon? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I Number four is like, I, some of these are just like, I like the idea of the scene, uh, but Glory showing up at Buffy's and threatening her, admiring Dawn. I like the idea of the scene. I don't know if I love the 
the execution, but I do like the, uh, oh, ooh, I like her. She's sassy and I'll kill her and everyone you love in front of you. Yeah, that's my number three. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, they maybe get out of it a little bit easy because it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, Dawn's right there, but Glory doesn't know she's the key or, you know, neither yeah. does Dawn. Of course, like Buffy's freaking out and like trying to like, you know, motion with her eyes without giving anything away for John to leave. Um, also just the jump scare of like Buffy's just like walking into her house and be like, Hey mom, are you there? And then just like, boom, there's glory just standing there. It's pretty creepy. And glory, glory, he was saying glory, glory, getting the, uh, the poker from her immediately. Yeah. Um, and then holding it like a riding crop. Yeah. Uh, my number three is like Buffy's like spiraling out of her concerns about the watchers counter review after they've left on the first day. And like Giles is like calming her down with quite frankly, some important words where he's like, Buffy, calm down. The scandal here is not anything you've done wrong. It's the way they're behaving. Holding what they know hostage of a gun pointed at my bleeding green card, no less. It's humiliating. And she's like, also smart. They picked the perfect thing. I can't lose you. Yeah, it's a good scene for sure. But just just the, I don't think you were getting this perspective on TV where it's like, rather than me telling you how you should feel, it's like, also, by the way, you're not the one doing something wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that he pointed that out to them. Like their behavior is what's obscene. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number two is kind of cheating here. Just all the interrogations with uh, the you know other Scoobies here, Willow and Tara. Um, we already mentioned Xander and Anya, Spike as well. The Willow Tara one's pretty funny, and he's like, describe your relationship. It's like, oh, we're friends, good friends, girlfriends actually. Yes, we're girlfriends. We're in love. We're lovers. We're lesbians, gay type lovers. He's like, our mature relationship with the Slayer. Oh, mostly just good friends. Yeah. Well, and like at one point, the the guy asks, like, what level witches they are. And Will is just like, a very high level. And Tara's just like, five. Yeah. Yeah, five. We're level five. So, like, um, they don't give Tara good jokes very often, but that was one of them. Yeah, because even like, I noticed something in, uh, the beach scene in Buffy versus Dracula where it's like, everyone's like bantering on the beach and like Tara makes like a joke. Like she's trying to be a part of the gang, but she has to keep like looking at Willow for like approval the whole time. I mean, that's all building up to episode six this season, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like Willow's not like picking up on it or she's like, certainly not like reinforcing, like you should get my approval to be funny with my friends. Which makes it kind of sadder in some ways uh-huh. that she's not even noticing that her girlfriend's like struggling. Anyway, um, oh, and, and also is- just Spike, um, which I don't know if that's on your list or not, <laughs> but Spike, uh, the person who's interviewing him, uh, she like did her thesis on him. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, that's a bit scandalous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that girl's slipping. <laughs> Um, number two is actually Buffy bringing her family to protect, to Spike to protect them, but also Joyce and Spike bonding over passions. Yeah. Shimmy down the well. And sitting on a chair in a way that's that's not comfortable for anybody. One of you take the chair. My number one, obviously, the speech from Buffy at the end. Hmm. Uh, she's going to get more speechy as the show goes on, but this is still a pretty good one. Uh, number one is this, but really, again, is to me, this is like a first draft. I, I feel like, I don't know, part of it doesn't work as much as I want to, but all the beats make sense. Reminding that it's about power that she has and everyone else wants it. Throwing the sword at the one guy, uh, yeah. Nigel, who's an ass. Um, clocking the value of her friends, including the thousand-year-old ex-demon. Like I said, Will is a demon? 
Giles coughing that he wants to be paid retroactively. Um, and then Buffy, like, she gets to turn it around and stick it back to Quentin because she's just like, I don't know, maybe you're all good at your jobs. We're only going to find out if you work with me. But I want an answer from Quentin right now because I think he's understanding me. I mean, it's it's good to see Buffy take control. It's also satisfying to see these guys put in their place. It's like, fuck the Watcher's Council. This episode's hard to watch just because they come in and they're big timing. And it's frustrating to watch people get misinterpreted, misrepresented, and yeah. have to deal with that. Ugh. Yeah, it's very it's, it's vibes of like Dolores Umbridge for sure here. Yeah. So previously they've they've reached out to the Watchers. They're like not letting them know about Dawn being the key, and um, she hasn't only Giles the Scoobies. Yeah. yeah, Dawn is overheard. But I don't think she knows the full details. She's overheard something about her. She doesn't really understand it though. Yeah. Yeah. So at the start, Buffy has the Scoobies over, and like she's like straightening up the living room. She's having a hard time keeping all this because up of all this because like her mom's been sick. Looks like they had yeah. In and Out. Oh, nice. In and Out, but also Takeout. Perfect. Yeah. If you can get, if you can do both, do both. Why not? Mm-hmm. What the fuck not? Um, of course, she finds like an old Riley sweater and like freaks out a little bit for a moment. L O L. I mean, um, I made a note to write L O L so long, Riley, in my notes at that. So long to those fucking hideous green knit sweaters that the, the initiative was constantly wearing. Also, Riley, leave the house with the same amount of clothing that you brought with you. Eh. Don't don't do the leave behind. You I, I don't know. Maybe she. Girl's still sweater, so maybe she stole one of his at some point. Uh, Although it's uh, not like it's a hoodie or anything. Well, girls steal other sweaters too. Yeah. Girls always be stealing sweaters. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Watch Council learned some stuff about Glory, so they're coming, and the Buffy's freaking out because they suck. And they always suck. Um, I mean, these these guys coming will be like like Wesley to the nth degree. Um, so. Tara has to have explained to her like why the Watch Council is bad. Um, the other Scoobies, of course, don't know um, that Dawn's not the real. So like, there's a lot of constant like Buffy's like, oh, I got to do this thing of Dawn, and everyone's like, but you always do this thing of Dawn. Like, yeah. why are you freaking out about it? Like, it comes up a couple times. So why is it, it such a big deal now? Yeah, of course you'd be protecting Dawn. Also, yeah. Xander's got some real quarantine hair here this season. Yeah, yeah he does. It's getting pretty I, floppy. Is... This was like the shift, like Xander. I mean, I still think having the blinders on when the show was first on and thinking Xander was cool, I think I still held that belief into season four. I Definitely. Think I think he's been better recently, at least on like the just outright sexist comments. It's more yeah. him and Anya. He's He just seems very patronizing to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never, but it's I mean, like, like it's, he has like rare, very rare moments where he like actually seems to like her as a person you know <laughs> like I, I don't think he knows who she is as a yeah person. but he, I, I do feel like they've at least somewhat cut down on him just like randomly calling buffy a slut or other stuff like that you know yeah yeah um because they've given those lines to spike yeah pretty much i mean it's like they can get away with it with spike more but like i don't know like that part of me that for some reason thought that xander was cool that part was dead by the replacement in season five like it, it should have been a more fun episode than it was. But in general, though, because you had Riley and you had like Xander's weird thing with Riley yeah. and all this stuff, it was just like I was like, I don't know, really know what Xander does on this show anymore. He's not cool. Spike has become the cool guy, um, which is kind of funny in retrospect and horrific that like, <laughs> the misogyny just transferred over well, to I, a I, I mean, male I th- lead. I think you can see Joss Whedon and company kind of transferring, you know, like, well, 
uh, Xander was our character who kind of like it makes meta comments and jokes about stuff. But now we can just move that over to Spike, who's like the new version of that. And we can get away with more from him. And I don't want to let Joss Whedon off the hook for things he's guilty of whatsoever. But also, I'm not even sure he's really the showrunner this season. You know what I mean? I, mean, like he's so- I think he technically is still. But yeah, he's he seems more checked out. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, like like Glory's in her like suite, just like having some like brain juice withdrawals. I feel you, girl. Um, her like demon monk comic relief dudes, her minions, they've like brought a mailman in for her to like stick her fingers into. Um, <laughs> yes. No, she's not in she red does. for once. Oh, is she not? What's she wearing? Uh, she's just in like a I don't know, like a taupe. I think is what you might call that. Like kind of like a brownish, like a dress thing or something. That's not a real color. Yeah. Is it like a like a dirty red? Is it like a colorblind red? No, no, not at all. Okay, because she's like got a red towel later. Yeah, a different red dress after that. Well, she's she's got her like weird creepy minions, who like yeah. I always felt like the writers liked these guys more than we did. Yeah, one of them. So called they, Jinx. Well, they seem to love these dudes. You got the weird monk guys who who do the key thing at the beginning, and then you have these guys dressed like monks. It's like yeah. is this intentional? Like, a lot of monks doing? and minions. Yeah, monks and minions. So she's better now after like putting her fingers in this guy. The mailman's now crazy. Um, and also, isn't it a shame that the post office is so criminally underfunded just in time to fuck with the election during a pandemic? Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, this demon monk guy is just like, you know, if you're going to use the key, you don't have much time. I mean, you only have until May when the season finale airs. Only five you, more you'll months. You'll need to hurry. Just, yeah. Yeah. So after the credits, like Giles is like doing a normal work a work day at the Magic Box, helping a customer. Um, then Quentin Travers and his delegation of British douchebags show up, and they're like surveying what kind of things Giles is selling there. Like, like their their jurisdiction should not apply to Giles's like shitty retail. Well, they're just flexing on him. They're like, we can we can deport your ass because we're assholes. Yeah, um, you know they're like you know, most of the stuff you have here is harmless. A few of these things could be dangerous in the wrong hands. Some of these things are uh, you know cultural crime. To have been stolen from their country of origin. Um, so they they kick and everyone Giles, out. Giles is like, oh, I should have priced that higher. Yeah. I mean, they're not just power tripping. Like, Quentin is, like, big-timing Giles all over the place here. Um, and he's like, you know, we've come with vital info about Gore. We want to conduct a review to make sure that the info is safe and, like, you know, yeah. test Buffy's current methods. To find out if you're worthy of our info. Yeah. Assholes. Uh, the one guy, Philip, is a real ass, but he is rocking that turtleneck. Um that actor, Oliver Muirhead, has been in literally everything. Like, if you look at his IMDb, literally mm-hmm. everything, including the social network. But the uh, the first line of his page in the Buffy wiki is, Oliver Muirhead is an English actor, character actor known for often portraying pompous country gentlemen. <laughs> well, the one guy, the dude who was interviewing uh, Willow and Tara, he's just, like, walking behind the counter and, like, poking at shit when Anya's back there. Nice. Like, not even a buy or leave, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's... It's was it Philip, Nigel, and Lydia. Um, so he, like Giles is just like, I think you'll find that Buffy is acquiring a magnificent focus. So we cut to Buffy yawning in a class lecture as the professor is going on about Rasputin. Um, professor top just starts roasting six, her. Well, top moment number six: the chick sitting next to Buffy <laughs> who gives her quite the fucking look at this exaggerated yawn. I mean, Buffy's been pretty annoying. She keeps on like whacking her uh, pencil against the table and like other stuff. Yeah. Well, I love that this chick isn't like doing like the movie theater thing where she kind of glances over and sighs and looks back. Like she's yeah. like maintaining eye contact. Like, shut the fuck up. And then Buffy makes a comment about Rasputin and how like 
I, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she kind of suggests that like uh, perhaps he's alive. Uh, he's alive. Yeah. And so she stands up and is made to talk about this. And the professor just like roasts her yeah. about, uh, I'm sorry, we're studying history here. Yeah. Buffy's a Rasputin truther. Yeah. It made me think, like, are we going to see, like, a Rasputin cameo later in the show? Um, yeah, also, he's gone off of how Rasputin's whole philosophy was, you can't be forgiven until after you've sinned. So get sinning, baby. Oh, no, he has a great line. He's like, what was it? the professor is talking about? He says, what was it you were going on about last week? The mysterious sleeping patterns of the Prussian generals. I like that. The suggestion that, like, they were vampires. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, also, apparently, that's not really his dick in the uh, museum. Anyway. Um, so later that night, like Buffy takes it out on a vampire, like just saying the things she wanted to say to the professor, or, like beating the shit out of this vampire. He's like, "Who are you talking to?" <laughs> and then Spike like flies in and stakes this Super dude, jumps, and she's just like, "No, thank you. What yeah. are you doing here?" So he like he just negs the shit out of her now. Yeah, like uh, like gets on the subject of the boyfriends who are all gone. Like she's a little nauseous in the headboard. They eventually get up and run away in the night. So he like teases her about. Pushing away our lovers, being too clingy. And I'm sorry, I'm to even repeat this dialogue, but he's just like, maybe your beauty's fading. Maybe you know things are not as high, not as firm. I mean, that is cold blood negging. Like, you should lose a hand. He yeah. does a hand or maybe gesture. Maybe you just too. don't hold their yeah, he does a hand gesture. It's like maybe you just don't hold their interest. And then he just like walks off, like, all yes. right, done my duty here. Just like insulted the shit out of you. Yeah, like that's really gonna get her affection. Yeah. <laughs> uh so, you know, the thing hospital. is like you can you can draw all these like connections and be like Spike thinks he's a nice guy. He's actually a huge turd and he's like basically doing like NLP on Buffy here. But like, I don't know that that was necessarily their intent when writing him. Maybe it was. And they just, I don't know. We're being very subtle about it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's grade school playground shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's not healthy. Um, Meanwhile, at the hospital, like Ben gets off duty. Uh, he's taken to another room by one of the demon monk guys. Ben got um, a little bit of a haircut. Good. Good. Um, we don't know what Ben's deal is, right, at this point? He's we just, haven't learned? No, I don't think we know that Ben is glory yet. So um, he's like taken to another room by one of like the demon monk guys. And, like Ben is dismissive of this dude. But the lackey, like he wants info on the slayer for glory from ben like honestly glory just write a note and leave it for ben when he wakes up like come on um ben learns from this guy that buffy's the slayer lackey wants more info on where buffy lives who her friends are blah blah, blah. i think it ends with like oh i've got a message for glory or something like that you know yeah uh, yeah That's the message so back to giles magic box with the watchers council Buffy comes in and they're just like, "Oh, bad day, Miss Summers," and she's just like, "Ugh, you fucking people." Mm-hmm. And so now she has to demonstrate uh, her training regimen. I think, right? Yeah, there's a lot of more uh, condescending questions about like what you've been up to and whether or not you're worthy of us. She walks in, she sees them, and she tries a nope right out of there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing about Quentin Travers and the actor who plays him is like. If this was a guy who was on the show for like a season straight, I think you'd love him by the end of the season. Because they would I mean, have to give him something other than just being a pompous ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the Emily Gilmore of the show. But like, yeah, you know, he's Giles is trying to defend her. And like this is when Quentin's just like, let me talk to Buffy Giles. I think she's understanding me. You know, and this one they're like, we can we can keep referring ass. to her as an instrument. Yeah. 
that the the council uses basically yeah these tools are referring to her as a tool um anyway uh after commercial jinx comes back to the suite and glory's like clearly just gotten out of the shower she's looking good in that red towel she's like lotioning up she's oh we should also mention that's where uh quentin travers threatens to deport giles if uh buffy doesn't satisfy him anyway jinx has been beaten up as a message by ben to glory um logistically what what is this how does this work does he ben yeah ben, yeah i don't know goes, and then shit. and then ben transformed into glory who came home and uh took a shower and yeah. is now rubbing some lotion yeah i don't know yeah um so glory's upset that ben wouldn't like help turn over the key i mean can, you know the, the show's coming from where he's she's like he could seduce her and bang the key out of her it's like mm, yeah i don't know if he could <laughs> yeah I don't know if Ben's got enough jam. Um, so, like, like basically, we find that Ben drives Glory nuts. There's almost like a sibling rivalry thing going on. Um, back in the magic box, the Watchers have left. This is, like, just Buffy and Giles, and Giles is drinking. Um, presumably, the Watchers have all gone back to their hotels, which I wonder who books all these accommodations for them. And, like, how nice of a hotel is it? Yeah. Oh, I love it. They are back in, like, Faith's old place. Yeah. They, like, they demand to, like, fly on the cheap or something like that. Yeah, like, go there on the cheap. How interesting. The air conditioner is a thing hanging out of the window. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Giles is like, it's a power play, which, duh, that's the theme of the episode. Buffy's like, it's power outage in Buffy County. Um, and then Giles is just like, I should let set you loose on them. That's what I should have done. Buffy's like, Giles, that Travers guy is like 60. I can't hit him. Can I? I mean, you could. Yeah, you could. He'd kill him. That'd be fun, too. Um, he Giles starts going on about the watchers are good with rough stuff. They're like way too good at bureaucracy. He's so upset that when he takes his glasses off to clean them, he breaks them. <laughs> and it's basically just like, you haven't done anything wrong, Buffy. These guys are fucking assholes holding my green card hostage. Yeah. But, uh, you know, well, time to face the music, basically. And this is where we get the cut to the interviews. Anya Christina, Emmanuel Jenkins, 20 years old, born on the 4th of July. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So we'll get like kind of this like cut back and forth between all the various. Um... You would just think since I'm just watching Xander next to Anya while she's delivering this. He just kind of has this kind of like like meh expression on his face the whole time. Like he he never appreciates her, which no. is so frustrating. No, of course not. Like he, he, be, he could at least like be smiling and be like, that's my Anya or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's inc- incredibly impressive, too. Yeah. For only having like been a human for like a year and I, a half. You, you would think if you've been dating this girl for like at least a year, right? Like you'd be fond of her. Mm-hmm. He, I know he has a job now. I feel like he's taken a loan from her at some point. Well, how is she getting money though? That's I, still, I, I would know. like to know that. I don't know. I get kind of like a, like John Cusack and his girlfriend in high fidelity vibe to a certain degree. Only Xander has a lot less going on for himself. Um, Anya, you you bitch, let's work it out. Yeah. What would you say if I told you Anya hasn't watched Evil Dead 2 yet? Yet. Um, So Philip asks Alexander if he's learned or mastered any fighting skills. Alexander's like, no. So Philip's just like, no special skills. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So then he's like, oh, you know, not to be weird or anything about it, but like, you know, I was once part of a merging of like Super Slayer skills last year and I was the heart of it wasn't sexual at all well these guys just have to be shitty and they're just like oh so she has to do that a lot to uh face people down or you know yeah yeah 
Um, I mean, Willow's working on like a little ball of sunshine, which I feel like that would be revolutionary in vampire Seemingly, fighting. yeah, they just wipe those dudes out. Um, and also problematic for the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so like Philip's like, "What do you and what do you, onions I don't know about the key?" And Anya's like, "Sounds demony, and I don't hold any of that demon nonsense." Muffin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Amanda mentions that you know, Buffy saved their lives loads of times, and all the vampires in town hate her. So we didn't go interview Spike. Well, it doesn't Lydia, totally make sense that they would even interview Spike and not just kill him. But sure, yeah, especially considering they weren't going to help Angel. And yeah, the way three. they treated Angel. Yeah. So there's like two watchers holding like crosses and a crossbow on him, while like Lydia stands behind them and asks the questions. She gives you money. Where does she get it? Yeah. This money. Where does it come from? I love that she's just like. So you've noticed the decline in her work. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, see, the poor little twig can't keep a man. Gets her all down from a few more disappointments. She'll be crying on my shoulder. Mark my words. Lydia's like, is that what you want? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's written her thesis on Spike, which is interesting. I don't know if you remember, like, the uh, uh, in the Angel season five when uh, Fred is just like, Spike, what's your fucking deal with, like, Wesley? And he starts to, like, improv this whole backstory with him and Wesley that's not I true. don't know. He's no. just like, there was a girl. She died. It changed the both of them or something. And then Fred's, like, listening. And finally, she's just like, you're so full of shit. I don't remember. I, I don't think I saw every episode of Angel Season 5, so that might have been one I missed. It's the best season. <laughs> well, Angel's a weird show to analyze anyway. angel started getting really weird i remember that like they had like a puppet episode yeah i mean season five was a lot of fun especially considering season four was not a lot of fun yeah um yeah so spike That's actually asked how she's doing in her review this is when we get like the physical agility test in the danger room um there's like a straw dummy buffy will well, be they- like it's like she has to react to instructions like shout at her in like Japanese or something like that. I don't know why yeah. she just doesn't say, hey, man, uh, we didn't use the Japanese words. So I don't know what she's saying. Yeah, seriously. Like, like end of story. Um, yeah. So like the straw dummy, like like Buffy has to protect it while blindfolded from Philip, who's in a black karate pajamas, has an axe. Well, like she can't. She's supposed to listen to them be like punch, kick or whatever. It's like, why don't you just let her do her thing? Well, like. Even the Jedi like don't bark commands at you yeah. and put that stupid helmet on you. Like, I mean, it's it's really more just like reinforcing like you will take orders from us. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like in, in a language you don't understand. Yeah. yeah. So she eventually stops Phillips, like breaks his rib, and the process like knocks the axe into the straw dummy. And Quentin is like, "LOL," but like in stuffy British. So the next thing will be they're gonna get the strategies, and they want to get inside Buffy's pretty little head like later that night. Buffy comes home. This is where she runs into Glory. Yeah, they have their little teet teet. Yeah. So uh, long day, sweetie. So Glory's again just gonna like chew some scenery. She's like, "Oh, is this where the Slayer eats, sleeps, combs her hair?" She's doing that thing where she like runs fingers along countertops and like looks at the dust. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, whatever Claire Kramer's doing here, it's somewhat original. I feel like you don't. You don't. This is like a different take on a villain for sure. I don't know that it's totally different from like a, a Buffy villain, but it's it's great. Maybe it's, it's like just the said, intensity though, of it. She's definitely killing time. Yeah. Um, at one point, like Buffy's trying to sneak over to that fire poker and Glory's just like up on her like, Buffy, if I wanted to fight you, you'd be able to tell by being dead already. 
So this one, she like sits down in the comfy chair, and it's like Dawn walks in behind her, and Buffy is making a poor attempt at like stealthy panic eyes at, at Dawn. Like, I mean, she's clearly looking at somebody and jumping yeah. her eyes. Yeah, uh, and it Dawn's is like almost let the room, and then Lori's just like, "Kid, yeah, get over here." Yeah, your sister took my key, Dawn. Um, and Buffy's just like, she doesn't know anything, and like Dawn is like, little sister defiant. She's like, I know some things. Yeah, she gets out of this by saying, uh, uh, you're always talking about stuff I'm not supposed to hear. I'm going to figure it out, you know, and then just like storms off. Which the only thing is like, as they fold Dawn into like the narrative of the show, it's like, this wouldn't be your first rodeo, Dawn. Like you would know there's times when just to go with the fucking flow. Well, they kind of play it both ways where it's like the entire history of the show has changed and Dawn was there the whole time. But also it's like she's naive and like this is her first radio constantly you know yeah whereas uh i do love the one exchange between dawn and angel that i can remember was there one so in in, in angel when he's become angelus again <laughs> okay. and he like calls and he's just like hey dawn is your sister there she is he hangs up <laughs> i don't remember that because he just wants to make sure that buffy's still in sunnydale and not coming okay. to la after him right right yeah so afterwards basically uh glory will drop that poker on the floor like it's a mic um and Joyce comes in, wanders in then. Like she's just had a an all-powerful baddie in her living room, and she's just like, Buffy, who is that? Also, I wear headscarves now because I've had some kind of brain surgery, maybe. Yeah, she's you know, we skipped like five episodes there. She has had some sort of surgery. Like they found there's like a shadow on like the CAT scan or something, so she had some sort of surgery. Shadow. Um, and so she's now theoretically recovered. Yeah. Buffy very grim is like pack a bag. Uh, so this is when they take him to Spike's crypt. Um, he kind of wakes up of a start because his door opens. Also, it's daytime, and he sees it's Buffy, and then he looks over, and there's just like, this like awkward like Joyce and Dawn just like waiting in the corner, and Joyce has this look on her face like well, this is a bad part of town. But uh, uh, then they can all watch passions together; they'll be fine. Yeah, like what? She's just like stay with him for as long as you can, or something like that. Yeah. Doesn't seem that like, much of an end game here on uh, them crashing here. Ladies come on in, there's plenty of blood in the fridge. Um yeah, so there's only one chair or two. At the magic box, you know, we're waiting for the next part of the review. The Scoobies are up on the catwalk thing watching. Quentin's upset because Slayer's twenty minutes late. She's late because she's attacked by a group of medieval knights, the knights of the Byzantium. Who are in like full chainmail with like the chainmail like hoods or whatever too. Yeah. What do these guys smell like? It's got, it just seems hot and heavy. Not in a good way. Um, she defeats one and unmasks him. He's got like a weird forehead tattoo. Well, she defeats them all. Yeah, but I mean, she roughs up like one, like verbally. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, we, we, as long as you protect the key, we're going to come after you. If it takes 100 men, we'll send 100. If it takes 1,000. I want her to be like, you don't have 1,000 men. <laughs> you don't have 1,000 men who are knights. Get, out, get over yourself. Like, I guess their thing is they just, they're so fearful of the key, they just want to destroy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously it's Dawn, so Buffy would be opposed to that. Right, right. Um, so he expects that Buffy will kill him, but instead she's just like, I'm taking your sword. Get out of here. Um, I want her to do the... Oh, what is that even from? What is the thing where the um, the guy gets... Sp- oh, it's uh, Kill Bill, where she spanks the guy with the sword. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is why you kid. don't yeah. join the Yakuza. <laughs> uh, 
So she shows up the magic box with the sword and like Quentin's trying to big time her again. And I like the move of her just like setting the sword down over his like notebook, like no review. Yeah. She's just like, no, we're going to have a little talk here. No yeah. review, no interrogation, no questions. You know, I can't answer No hoops, no jumps, no interruptions. Yeah. Uh, so she's when she gives on her, like her power monologue, you know, the, the glory came to her house, talked to her, um, wanted to tell her that she could crush her like a bug, but it's all because, you know, Buffy has something that she wants. Um, the watchers are here because their watchers about a slayer, so she needs them or they need her to give their lives meaning. And Nigel is just like, "Oh, the fucking insolence!" And she like throws the sword at him. Barely sure I said no interruptions. Um, and she's and, like, "This is how it's gonna be." Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, just magic shop will remain open. Mr. Giles will stay here as my official watcher, reinstated at full salary, retroactive, retroactive to be paid pay. retroactively from the month he was fired. Fuck, fuck yeah, man. Joss is like, oh shit, I'm getting a real big payday. Also, can I get that under the table? Because I have a feeling and I need to talk to my accountant about this. <laughs> Put me up into a higher tax bracket, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so, you know, the the Scooby gang, you know, I got two powerful witches, a thousand-year-old ex-demon, Willow's a demon, and uh, the boy who's clocked more field time. This is Willow's like, that's Riley speak. And like, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh. That's what, is that what you need to hear, Xander? <laughs> Is that what you need to hear? Um, and then I love just that she's just like, I want an answer from Quentin right now because I think he's understanding me. Um, so Quentin's just kind of like, oh, I think it's time for some whiskey, Giles. Uh, when Buffy's we inventoried like, your shop, we uh, found a bottle of single malt scotch behind the uh, incense holders. Well, why don't you go get some? And Buffy's just like, no. God damn it, no. Like, like Give me the fucking deets. So she wants to know what kind of demon Glory is. And he's like, well, that's the thing. She's not a demon. She's a god. And Buffy's just like, oh. Credits. All you right. would think that the Watcher's Council could just open negotiations of the Knights of the Byzantium. Yeah, really. Just be like, hey, by the way, Watchers and all your fucking bureaucracy, do you think you could like, just like take these guys off my plate? Well, you like, know, do you think you can get, get your dudes on that? Leave You're an alone. ancient organization who just sits around paddling each other. We're an ancient organization that sits around paddling each other. Let's let's uh powwow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was the first half of season five. Uh any complaints? Uh the whole season moves very slowly. The Riley stuff's a huge drag. Ben sucks. It makes the stuff of glory go so slow. Um there's this confusion of whether or not like Ben is supposed to be a potential love interest, as we mentioned. They actually date or are supposed to go on a date at some point, right? Maybe. Um, I I didn't really notice it at the time, but obviously there's like there's some real dark, not fun shit with Spike. Like not not dark in a fun way. There's some misogyny. There's some negging. Also, Ben looks too much like Riley. Like like one slice of boring Wonder Bread is enough. Um, Dawn, I don't think Dawn ever really gets out of being Buffy's annoying little sister. Like, I don't know that she's ever really established as her own character. Yeah, I mean, some of my big complaints, Riley, I guess they're writing him that way on purpose, but like, he, right from the start of the season, he's just like, God, what a pain in the ass. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's just like, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, even Tara feels more integrated with the group and a part of the group now. And Riley's just like, constantly like like false bravado and machismo and like yeah. he, he just like his, his vibe his whole like soldier macho vibe just does not fit with all the other scoobies at all and the dude's like 21 maybe yeah really 21 22 something like that 
Um, and then Dawn, geez, they made her almost feel like too whiny and annoying. Like, I think mm-hmm. they overdid it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's such a bold move to just be like, oh, yeah, Buffy always had a sister. Everyone just go with it. But then also make her super annoying. I just, yeah. I'm not sure if that was the right move. I mean, it's it's bold to do the opposite of the family matters. Yeah. Or the one little sister goes upstairs and never returns. Well, especially because like we need Buffy to really care about Dawn later to be like, no, I will protect you, even though you're not really my sister. Yeah. And it's like they're just not interested in making us invested in the Dawn character at all. Right. When I think the, the idea of like embodying something within a person who has no idea about it, like that's interesting. There's, you know, stuff you could dive into there, but it, it was uh, just all like, man, Buffy's little sister sure is a drag. I mean, a lot of those kind of beats, like like Buffy, I think you know in the head a couple episodes ago. Like they're they're straight out of X Men type storytelling. Yeah. Um, as for a change, I would have honestly given Buffy like a five A villain to take on. Like I, I would have leave all the crazy people in the background. Maybe build up like everyone's mentioning Glory's coming. You don't see Glory until the end of like, like the, the first beast, half of the, the Abomination. Yeah. Something like don't let the tease the use the word glory a couple times but like maybe don't tell me that's the name like build up the yeah. hype make her entrance a little more of a shock and then have her just be like this like like beautiful woman like monologuing is super powerful would be kind of a surprise but like that way you're shortening that amount of time that glory is just like getting room service uh-huh. and sitting suite. around in dresses and towels and whatnot and just like because she's her like whole vibe with her minions is like just short of flirtation yeah. You know, just like the way she plays it. Like, I don't know. It's just like she does that just for a long time. Because, I mean, like, end of season two, you got Angelus. And it's like half that that spinning their wheels literally was just like Angelus being like, hey, roller pig. What if I stick it to your girl while you're handicapped? Whereas, like, I think it's a bold choice to have. Like, here's a character who's just, like, putting on lotion, you know, while she monologues or whatever. Like, she's just doing this kind of normal thing. Um, and her minions are literally like hey you need to speed it up and she's like yeah yeah i'll get to it yeah oh and having her be like soft and delicate and her minions being like walking scabs yeah yeah my make one change i don't know if this would work or not but i just wrote down lose ben and have glory and dawn be the ones who share a body maybe that wouldn't work i don't know but mm. i feel like that uh would make the dawn character there'd be like a more immediate threat to her I guess, because it's like, well, how do you kill Glory when she's also Dawn or something like that, you know? I'm kind of curious how Joel Gray will hit when we get there. Joel Gray? Is that the doctor? No, Joel Gray is um, the guy that's like suddenly working for Glory at the end of the season. He's the one who Doc or something, right? Yeah, he's actually the one who actually, like, yeah, is it's Doc? Okay. He's the one who actually like cuts Dawn. Like, like Glory's been dead for a while. Um, And he's like, he's like, he runs not a magic shop it's something where they go for info and then like later he's just like surprise i've always worked for glory yeah all right well um we'll have to figure out what episodes to watch besides the gift next but before we do that power rankings i got 19 oh shit i've got 16 so take it away all right number 19 ben the disgrace of the name god he sucks as Number 18, ben. Riley Finn. So <laughs> long, don't hit the door, hit your ass on the way out. Number 17, the Minions. They're just gross. This is a funny list. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. 16, I have Ben. Okay. 
Uh, number 16, I've got the Monks. Okay. Just not too impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 15, I've got Riley. <laughs> All right. Uh, number 15, I just have uh, Angel and Gang there from the flashbacks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 14, I've got Glory's Minions. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Are you the Monks next? No. Uh, I've got the Slayer from China at number 14. Okay. I actually don't have her. I have, I don't know why. I have Nikki Wood at 13. So, I mean, really, it should be like Nikki Wood and the Chinese Slayer. I don't yeah, know the Chinese have, Slayer's name. I have Nikki Wood at number 13 as well. I mean, they're both cool fights, but we got a little bit more from Nikki. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think partly also because in my memory, I know that there's much more Nikki Wood to come. Yeah, yeah. And the Chinese Slayer, like that show would be really cool. Um, but like, I can immediately see maybe too the, big a budget for yeah, the, but I can immediately see the Nikki Wood show. Whereas yeah. I think the Chinese Slayer show is like there's some questions you need to answer first. Like, how are you going to get? Um, oh, I forgot her name. Fuck, Philippa Giorgio into that show. Philippa Giorgio. I can't remember the actress's name. I feel like a piece of shit. Uh, the first captain from Star Trek Discovery. From Crouching Tiger. Oh, Michelle Yeoh? Michelle Yeoh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah. you got to get her in there as her watcher. That would be that'd be a pretty good watcher, yeah. Uh, where are we at? Number 12? Yeah. Harmony? Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I don't have harm. Um, I kept her out of harm's way. Uh, 12, I've got Darla and Drusilla, who okay. aren't in the Buffy part too much. Especially not, not Darla. Really, no. Yeah. Darla's just like in the background of a lot of scenes, pretty much. Yeah. She like barely has line dialogue. Yeah. Uh, number 11, I've got Don Summers. Hmm. Didn't have to be that way, but they really just wanted us to like hate Don at the start of the season. Yeah. At 11, I have Angel just because he seems to really be going through it with Spike. Yeah. You got me and my women hiding in a mine shaft. <laughs> number 10, I've got Joyce Summers. Okay. Ooh, you know what? I might have forgotten Joyce. Because I, these episodes, Joyce is just like, honey, I have a headscarf. Let's talk I have about a, the grocery I have list. a headache. I need to lie down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're not giving her a lot on the way out. It it does. I don't know. Like watching it now, knowing what happened. So it is. It does have that just kind of. Uh, Real tragic. Got vibe. A horrible yeah. tragedy approaching vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is unfortunately how. Some people go. They just unfortunately waste away. They just end up being in your life a little bit less. Yeah. Uh, Ten, I've got the Watchers Council people because uh, I thought they were generic in my first watching of this. Watching it now, uh, I kind of enjoy these douchebags. I think uh, Philip returns one more time. Mm. But, uh, like, Nigel's got a good affect. Lydia's kind of boring. But I I, I have always liked Quentin Travers as, like, uh, that kind of villain. Yeah, I've got I've got Quentin Travers at number nine, mm. just because he's a bastard. But I don't know, at least a a consistent, like reasonably well acted bastard. Yeah, at nine I've got Dawn. At number eight, you're gonna be mad at this, I'm sure. Oh yeah, it's glory, isn't it? It's glory. You bitch. Why? <laughs> uh, I I should have figured you'd be you'd have loved glory. She's, she's you don't remember type. me ad nauseum telling you how much I love Glory back then? <laughs> well, I don't know. Things change, you know? I love her more. <laughs> Here's your number eight. 
number eight. What did I say? Dawn. I have Xander at eight. Okay, I've got uh, Tara at seven. Was was your eight, Glory? My eight was Glory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I also have uh, Tara at seven. Okay, I've got Xander at six. I have Willow at six. Okay, I've got Willow at five. Interesting. At five, I've got Glorificus because she's great and I love her. Um, and uh, if anyone disagrees, I will fight them. Uh, I've got Anya at number four. Same. Anya Manuel, uh, or Christina Emanuel Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, I feel like he never moves from number three. He's just always there as Giles. Yep. Word. Oh, man. I mean, this is going to be interesting. We might have the same one and two. Uh, I think we do because Spike is number two. Yep. I mean, and, it's, and it's Buffy's one. There's some, uh, there's some, you know, the grace notes are bad, but there's also Spike is like clearly like I am the one of the most interesting characters on this yeah. show. That's yeah. how it is. Well, it's clear that the writers are most interested in him too. Yeah, they're yeah. they're like I mean they they give him a full flashback episode to kind of like flesh out his backstory, and they're giving him actual like uh, arc where you see some sort of redemption coming from him. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking while watching Full of Free Love. The the whole like vampire soul thing makes it a little squicky because it's like we're not it's it's like this like redemption arc, but yet he's a demon, so he's not really the one being redeemed. He's gonna get his soul back and then like be a different person kind of. Like, would it have been more effective if Spike had a soul the whole time? I think it would have. I was like William the Bloody, that's a vampire with a soul. He's pure evil or something like that, you know? Well, it's, it's it's this is where he's interesting compared to Angel, I think, is because he doesn't change all that much when she has a soul. He yeah. just suddenly feels the guilt even more. Where he's also clearly like feeling, I don't know, something. He's he's much more human yeah. as Spike than Angelus was. Yeah, and and again, he he as a soulless beast for whatever his reasonings, um, you know, went and sought out getting a soul. But it's almost like he already does have a soul, though, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a, a tortured and dark soul. I don't know. Like, it almost seems like it would have made more sense for him to all, have always had a soul the whole time. Just building up to him and Angel having their epic Mountain Dew fight in Angel Season 5. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, but obviously Spike 2, Buffy 1. Mm-hmm. What are we going to watch next week? We did get a couple people who really wanted us to do the body. I mean, if we break it into three for season five. Do we need to? Do we really need to? Are any of these episodes like, yeah, we got to do that one? Well, the reason that if we do that, I could say we could do Crush, I Was Made to Love You, and then The Body. <laughs> you know, ended on nah. a real happy note there. Uh, I'd rather just do like The Body, Spiral, and The Gift, maybe. I'm like, what are we really missing? Um, Lots of Buffy Bot. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the main thing. It's like, I was made to love you. would be the other episode we could do um, rather than Spiral. But I don't know. What do you think? Um, we did the body Spiral and the gift. I don't think we've done a Stephen S. Denight episode yet. So, yeah, I guess we can do that. Let me write that down so I don't forget. I feel like we talk about him every episode. I mean, we'll, we'll miss out on the Warren, the intro of Warren and his bot and uh, 
you know, crying as blackmail and all that good stuff. It, it, you just wonder sometimes, like they're so good at putting just the most horrible things in misogynist mouths. Yeah. Like, can you be too good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they even, they, they do one of like Wesley and angel. That's like dark. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's especially dark too, because humor is a way to not just humanize people, but like find like parody and have them relate to you. And so when you have like these dark misogynist villains, like be funny. Yeah. Be like snarky and kind of like, like have like the good lines too. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's like, it was like the, one of those, you know, many guilty moments is like Wesley when he's like under the spell or he's possessed and he's like terrorizing Fred, he makes this joke and I laughed at it. And then I like later I was like, I feel fucking horrible laughing at that joke. Um, yeah. All right. So I'll just mentally prepare ourselves for the body. It's been a long time since I watched that episode. Like uh, at least 10 years. It's not longer for me. It's a, it's, I remember it being a beautiful, brilliant episode. It's it's probably been, I probably have seen it like in the last five. Really? Okay. Yeah. Not me. I probably watched it when I got the DVDs, but it's, it's probably it since then. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, barrel last in the next episode. <laughs> and so then her body is just lying there. Buffy's like, "Mommy, yeah." Well, it's you know at least the season ends on a happy note, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're drinking next week, baby. <laughs> no, I'll just be drinking seltzer. What? What do you? What do you? On the wagon? Off the wagon? What do you? What's happening here? I'm just trying to live healthier. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week talking about the second half of Season 5 Buffy, The Body, which is Episode 516, Spiral, which is 520, and The Gift, which is 522. Also the 100th episode of Buffy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.